0: Passengers and welcome to the Midnight Train, America's second favorite podcast. Where we bring the dark to light, where history never dies, where listener discretion is always advised, and where we just have not enough taglines. We don't. We're just gonna keep adding more every time. We need more, yeah. I'm just kidding, we're not gonna do that. Now, listen, if you're new here, welcome. Hi. And we hope you enjoy the show. And if you're not, hey. Welcome back. How you doing? It's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad, to, glad that you're here with us. I, if you don't know, we love to make fun of and joke about the creepy and unsolved mysteries of the world, all while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. Yeah, we are a comedy podcast, or at least we try to take things lightly. Yeah. And we sometimes go off. and could be a bit crass, let's just say. It's a very... Right. Good way of putting that. We, we, a very adult content at yes. some times, right? Yes. yes. Right. yes. And And uh, so, listen, if you're not into that mixed with talking about some pretty dark topics or whatnot, you know, listen, we understand, we get it, but maybe give us a try. Because I think between me and you, I think you're going to like it, is what I'm saying. Oh. I think I think you're going to be like, wow. 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 <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I am, of course... The conductor of the cryptic Jonathan Sayer, and with me today, is the one, the only, the recovering from being sick. It's Logan Sayer. Yay! It's his eye, the guy with the deep voice right now, a little raspy. Yeah, baby. Oh yeah, Ooh. baby. Baby, lock them doors Ooh. and turn them lights down low. Please don't ever do that again. Oh my god.
1: <laughs>
0: so listen, our Patreon bonus. Uh we are we have uh actually, you know what we're gonna do for here and throughout the entire um holiday season? Yeah. We're gonna do uh just F that guy episodes that sounds uh every week. Good. Because I've been listening to a lot of like obscure stuff lately, yeah. and I've been finding out uh, a lot of these like really nasty serial killer crappy dudes Ooh. and females. Wow. And, uh, that I've never heard of before. And uh-huh. I feel like really ripping them a new a-hole as a So it. Wait, we're past 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Okay. Asshole. Asshole. <laughs> Popping each other's assholes. <laughs> so anyway, of course, for F that guy for our bonuses, we go in and look, pretty much just completely annihilate these people that have committed these horrible crimes. So if you're into that and you want to check it out or just because you want to support the show, go over to patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. Or go to the midnightstreampodcast.com yeah.com Yeah. .com. Yeah. <laughs> also, listen, I I've decided. Yeah. That there's a new segment. So I've been. Uh, Satan's been texting me a lot lately. He has. He's been blowing up. He's been up. blowing me up pretty hard. And I and he keeps asking me, like, are we gonna do something? We're we gonna mm-hmm. do something. We're we gonna do something. Well, you know what? We've been getting a lot of really great reviews. So make sure you guys are reviewing and rating us out there wherever you're listening right now. But we've been getting a lot of great reviews, and I was like, well what if you read the reviews at like the end of the show? That'd be would, cool. would you be cool with that? And you know, he was like, yeah, baby. I don't, can't do his voice, yeah, yeah. but he was all about it. Yeah. So it wait till the end of it, uh, of the show. And you're going to start getting Satan reads the reviews, ooh, ooh. the new segment that's going to be happening. Yeah, do you wonder, I wonder if he, does he get like Yelp reviews down in hell? I don't know. Does, does hell get Yelp reviews? If it doesn't, we need to start that. That should start happening. <laughs> Can we figure out a way to do that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, because they're probably going to be bad, right? <laughs> I mean, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of like... could some, be worse. There's some sadistic people out there. I don't know. There are. That's what I was going to say. It could be worse. could be living in Ohio. So. Uh, yeah. Today well, wasn't too bad. Don't we have a sign that says, welcome to hell? <laughs> As you're coming into the state? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so listen, we're going to save the rest of the business stuff until the end, and we're just going to get into this thing. Let's turn on the lights, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get... Monolithic. Monolithic. Um, Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. But first is a toast, all you beautiful and sexy motherfuckers. I'm going to make Jeff write us a new intro. I thought he was supposed to have already done that. He should have. Should have like six lined up right now. First of all, this thing's like longer than my arm. Yeah. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have short arms. Anyway, um <laughs> but it's just so loud it is very loud so anyway yeah we're talking about stonehenge today oh. you guys know and if you don't know guess what you're gonna find out a lot of really cool stuff about stonehenge i have not yet been able to go over there and check it out yeah um but i do hope to one day same so in the meantime we're gonna sit here and we're gonna get nerdy af Gah. Yeah. Dropping some conspiracies. Oh. Talk about some of the weird stuff. And of course, we're going to get very, you know, I guess clinical about some of the stuff. Yeah, you know, a couple things are going to be kind of very technical term right. terminology and stuff. Because you got to know what this thing is about, right? And, and if I'm you pretty don't sure know. everyone knows what it is. Uh, sure? Yeah. I think like if you were to pull someone off the street and be like, hey, uh, I've got a question for you. You know, if you're like some. Reporter in the street or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or now just using your cell phone as apparently that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, they just turn it upside down and like just use yeah. it as a microphone. If I think you it's just walked up 20. and be like, "Have you ever heard of Stonehenge?" I feel like everyone would know what that you is. You would, you would think that, but I've seen so many videos of people who just randomly walk up to random people and just take a picture and point to a state and say what state this is, and no one can guess like eighty percent of the states that they point out. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it, it is. It's or not. Like it's not good. Showing a picture of ben franklin and being like who's this or like oh that's thomas jefferson no no yeah well (laughs) we're going to hell we're already there that's true hey logan hi how are you i'm great you know what i love me of course and i love beer oh my god same yeah yeah and i love craft beer yes and there's nothing better than a good craft beer, especially when you're trying something new from different breweries and whatnot. Of course. It's awesome. And guess what? What? Our listeners can now sign up for the Craft Beer Club. No way. Yeah, buddy. And right now, you can go to our website, the midnight train Podcast.com, click on Sponsor Deals, and in there, you're going to find yourself a chance to save $30 off of 12 shipments of 12 beers per shipment. Wow. Yeah. Or save $60 off of 12 shipments of 24 beers per shipment. That's a whole case. That's a lot. It's a lot of beer. That's good. A lot of good beer. Plus, guess what? What? Free shipping. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Craft Beer Club. I mean, I'm in. I'm already signing up. Right? Right. We should totally do that. And we want you to sign up as well. So get on over to our website, the Midnight and get yourself some beer. Speaking of, where's my beer? All right, so two miles or three kilometers for the smart ones out there. All right. West of Amesbury in Wiltshire, England, is where the one and only the mysterious and magnificent Stonehenge is located. Atop linking horizontal lintel, is it lintel or lintel? Lintel. Lintel. Stones is an outer ring of vertical Sarzen standing stones, and Sarzen stones are... Uh sandstone blocks found in southern England on, uh, on Salisbury Plain, among other places. Oh, a good Salisbury steak sounds pretty good. I do like a good Salisbury steak. Yeah. Is it pretty much just meatloaf with gravy on it? That's pretty much all it is. Yeah, okay. I'm not mad at that. I'm just no, saying it's like, it's like a hamburger pad with gravy on it. Still not mad at that. <laughs> you can add gravy to anything and I'm it's in. good. Dude. I'm a hillbilly dude. I'll do whatever. Yeah. So these standing stones um, are each about 13 feet high. Okay. Seven feet wide. Yes. And weigh about uh, 25 tons. That's a lot. This is each. Yes, each. It's like 50,000 pounds. That's a lot. That's math. Good job. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it, they're huge. And, and, and like standing next to that, man, you're going to look. I, I, To be honest, I didn't think they were that big. Really? I did not know. Well, I guess I didn't know they were that big. I guess I assumed that they were just like. TBH, I thought they were actually going to be a lot taller. Did you just t- <laughs> did you just send a, a hy- not a hyphenated, what is that? An acronym? An acronym for texting? Yeah, I did. I just said it, that it, on it. It, it's I'm, I'm just going to start bit. doing LOL <laughs> and BRB. I, I actually do do that. Never mind. I, I keep you going. <laughs> I, I remember we talked about not sick? Anyway. So a ring of smaller bluestones surround it. Okay. Now, mm. bluestone is a cultural or commercial name for a number of dimension or building stone varieties. Which include basalt. Yes. uh, Dolorites. Yes. Feldspathic stone. Yeah, it's like feldspar. Sure. (laughs) Limestone and slate. I'm not entirely sure why you needed to know that out there, but uh, if I have to know it, so do you. Well, the reason why I put it in there was because like, if you hear someone say, oh yeah, it's a blue stone, you're like, well, it's gray, it's not blue. Like, why is it called a blue stone? Well, it's because. It's a blue lady walking a blue dog. <laughs> but it, it's just, you know, we don't live in a blue world. Dabba dee, dabba die. I just want to make sure everyone understands that's all. I'm blue da dee, dabba die. If I, I was green, I, green, I would, I would die. die. I would beat off a guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> I don't think that's how that is, is it? Swear it is. Well, it is now. Anyway. <laughs> so these contain freestanding tri- uh, trilithons, which are two larger vertical sarzans. Remember we mentioned that earlier? Yes. Or large stone posts connected by a single lintel, lintel, which again is the stone that's laying on top. So it's basically like a uh, the, it's, yeah, it's the stone on top laying sideways, yeah. vertically. So like if you were to look at like a doorway, basically, you have your two posts on the side, and then you have the little top piece where like yeah, that's your that's your lintel is the very top stone. I always thought that was like a noodle or something. A, 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 no, or it's a bean, isn't it? A, a lintel? A beam? Bean? A bean? Bean and like a lintel. Oh, like the the stuff you eat. Yeah, like lentils. Oh, is yeah. that a bean? No, that's 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 lentil. Lent lent lentil. Lent lent. L- yes. Moving on.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the entire monument which is now in ruins is oriented toward the uh summer solstice dawn, Ooh, right? That's yeah. what it's supposed to be about. So all you witches out there. Let's get ready to solstice. No? No. Okay. (laughs) Considered a Neolithic or and Bronze Age monument complex with the most dense concentration of tumuli or burial grounds found in England. Yes. Think about that. Yeah. Lots of burial grounds that are actually associated and found around uh, the entire. The whole monument. It's crazy. It's it's like 2,500. It's cray cray. It's cray cray. So, now, what in the hell is a lentil? We've mm-hmm. mentioned the word like 30,000 times, and we did kind of say that it's on top, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a type of beam or horizontal structural element that spans openings such as portals, doors, windows, and fireplaces. Yeah. It could be a decorative architectural element or a combined ornamented structural item. In the case of windows, the bottom span is in- instead referred to as a sill. Yeah. Like a window sill. But now you know the top is called a window Lintel. Very good. Look at that. Look at you guys. But unlike a lintel, does not serve to bear a load to ensure the integrity of the wall. Okay, so it's just hanging out up there. Yeah, just making sure those two outer posts don't fall over, basically. The sarzans. It's where you hang your stockings. Yes, actually. I mean Te- technically you, you is right. Christmas is coming up. So you don't put it on the, the chimney, you put it on the lintel. On the lintel. Actually. I always thought that was called a mantle. That's what I thought too. But we, d- we just, as, as Americans, we probably just screwed it up. It was probably was lentil. Yeah, it was probably like, lentil. And they were like, lentil? Oh, you mean mantle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Is that an L or an M? I can't read, so. <laughs> anyway, so modern day in- uh, lentils are made using uh, pre-stressed concrete and are also referred to as uh, beams in beam and block slabs or ribs in rib and block slabs. Yes. I love ribs. mm but we talked about beans earlier, too. This whole show is about food today. Dude, it's a baked beans with some ribs right about now. You don't like baked beans? I don't like beans at all. Okay, I'm not. I'm There's not. no such thing as a good bean. Yeah, you are right. Mm. But mm. I take that back. I actually enjoy a good green bean. But what is it about the green bean that's any different than a regular bean? It's the kind of little thing that. The casing. Oh, yeah. Regular beans and like peas and like uh, chickpeas and stuff like that, it they is. all taste very. Uh, it's like gritty. It's, it's a texture thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, now that you guys know that I hate beans, let's move on. <laughs> so these pre-stressed concrete lintels and blocks are components that are packed together and propped to form a suspended floor concrete slab. Ooh. Yeah. According to archaeologists, Stonehenge was built between 3000 and 2000 BC. That was like 20 years ago, right? Um, you move the decimal point. So 200 years ago? One more. Oh, uh, there okay. it is. Gotcha. There it is. The earliest phase of the monument, which consists of the surrounding circular earth bank and ditch, has been dated to around 3100 B.C. Although they may have uh, you know existed at the location as early as 3000 B.C., radiocarbon dating reveals that the first bluestones, remember we talked about those? Yeah. Which are gray. <laughs> <laughs> were raised between 2400 and 2200 B.C. Okay. So it's old. It is a little bit old. It's old AF. A little bit, yeah. I mean. But now, when you're thinking right now out there, passengers, you're probably thinking to yourself, wow, were we actually building stuff that long ago? You'd be surprised. Were, were things actually happening? Is, Dude, were, the wheel wasn't even made yet, man. Were we come Were
1: humans? On? Was fire there? No, that was. Was chainsaw even around? That's actually a
0: really good question. Well, to put things in context, into context, uh, context? yes, that's (laughs) the word, into context, let's brief, uh, just go through uh, some other events and inventions that were happening and being introduced in the 30th century BC. Because that's that's where we're headed right now. Shoot you, baby. We're going way, way back. We're going deep. (laughs) This train's going way back. Yeah, we put this in reverse. So some of the events. So before 3000 BC, an image of a deity recovered from Tomb 12 in Shan Yuyao, uh, Zhejiang, is made during the Neolithic period by the Lingju culture. It is now kept at Zhejiang uh, Provincial Museum in Hangzhou. You said a lot of a lot of words in that one. But I did. Ninety percent of them, I don't even know what they mean. But I feel like I I feel like I nailed that. You did actually. I, I feel like I you did. And, and if I didn't, I'd go fuck yourself. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, let's see, 3000 BC, earliest remains from uh, Aniba, Anubia in southern Egypt. Today, it's uh, it's actually flooded by Lake Nassar. Huh, okay. So they actually found, like, the earliest remains from that. That's crazy. Um, Let's see, early agriculture in North Africa was happening. Uh, right around 3300 3, BC to 2600, early Harappan period continues uh, in the Indus Valley. Ooh. Yeah, and that's one of the best valleys. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, I'm kind of partial to the one with the face in it. Yeah? Yeah. The, the what? The uncanny valley. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, in 3000 BC, camels are domesticated in Egypt. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know that, uh, yeah, they actually came from elsewhere. But they've been there for quite a while now. Huh. So now they could have been wild, though, and they may have domesticated Just domesticate them. Yeah, because okay. like the way that their pads are, like they're super soft. So like they tried bringing camels over to North America. When Do they the had a lot of periods? Over? Is that what you're saying? The camels have a lot of periods. They have a lot of pads on them. They, they have a lot a lot of very soft pads. Pads, pads. Yes. yeah. They use them like Kotex. Is that <laughs> what they're It's Tamp- Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> but camel <Yeah>. packs. <laughs> stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So the they, they were bringing camels over instead of horses before. Like that was the first creature they were bringing yeah, over. Yeah, because Marlboro sucked. <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> but they were all dying off because the ground was too hard out here. It's basically more of those stories. That's why they're they in Egypt. Right. Sand. So 3000 BC is when they started being domesticated in Egypt. Okay. Uh, also in 3000 BC, there is an intense phase of burial at Duma Na Nagal on the hill of Tara, the ancient seat of the high king of Ireland. Oh, and if you wow. go back to our creepy Ireland episode, we actually talked about the hill of Tara yeah. and what was happening there. That's quite so correct. So make sure you guys get over there and check that out. Also Stonehenge uh, <clears throat> was being starting to be built. All right, as we're talking about here, in its first version, it consists of a circular ditch and a bank, which we're going to talk about, and with 56 wooden posts. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of weird. We're going to talk about that in a second. Wow. Oh. It's called foreshadowing. That's really good. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, let's see, the Hellatic period started, the Aegean Bronze Age started, which is the best one. It is. Yes. It's Asian, yes. I believe, right? It's yeah. Asian, yeah. Uh, the Austronesian expansion began. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Jawa, the uh, Jawa Jordan is founded along with the world's first known dam. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So the first known dam. hmm <laughs> Welcome to the damn tour. <laughs> I'm your damn tour guide. Sorry. I don't even know where that came from. I just started laughing before I even said it. Um, let's see. Two, uh, 2960 BC, the death of uh, Egyptian first dynasty pharaoh uh, Simakot, whose name marks the first uh, definitive use of a Nepty name. Oh, wow. Yeah. And in 2920, the powerful kingdom of Troy oh. in ancient Greece is founded on that date. I didn't realize Troy was founded on that date. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, Troy's an old, old, old wooden ship. No, Ron, it's not an old wooden ship. Anyway. (laughs) So let's talk about some inventions, discoveries, and some other stuff here. In this time, all all I wanted to do is put into context that, like, you know, things were moving, you know, from a, uh, like, a human standpoint and what we were doing and the the things we were coming up with and whatnot. Like, you know, you think 3000 BC, that's a long-ass time ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what we didn't have in 3000 BC, though? Uh, Game Boy. I was going to say whiskey, but, yeah, that's it. Oh. Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah. They were drinking, like mead. Which is is good. I don't mind mead. This is very good. I do like a good mead. So now they were finding hieroglyphic writing in Egypt, uh, a potter's wheel in China, and the first pottery in the Americas oh. in Ecuador. Ah, And they, these were all discovered at that time. Uh, the Sumerians established cities at this time. Wow. Sumerians started to work in on various metals, which mm, to me nice. was pretty awesome yeah. because you think 3000 BC, I mean, dude, you're talking, what, 5,000 years ago, a little yeah. over 5,000 years ago, they're starting to work with metals at that time. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. The knowledge of ancient Near Eastern grains appears in ancient China. Oh, wow. You know, because, I mean, rice and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, settled villages are widespread in Mesoamerica, and uh, the shekel was introduced in Mesopotamia as a monetary and weight unit, so they were using it as money, isn't, basically. Is it, isn't that a shekel? A form of... Is that... <laughs> I saw Mesopotamia and shut up. <laughs> it is Shuckle. Whatever. Sh- no, it's not. It's Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> hit me, man. It's like if uh, Method Man was saying it. Chicago. <laughs> That's. Shackle. Shut up. Anyway, and the Sydney rock engravings also date from around, right around 3000 BC from Sydney, Australia. She wasn't carving stones. Not your wife. Oh. Calm yourself. <laughs> Yummy. This thing keeps moving, and I feel like it's actually moving on me. Really <laughs> Every now and then I look yeah. at it, I'm like, oh, my God, it's falling!" on you. Oh. So Stonehenge, one of the most well-known sites in the U.K., is recognized as a symbol of British culture, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about Stonehenge, you know it's over there in that beautiful place. Well, yeah, it's the only thing they haven't stole yet. I mean, um, whoa. whoa. What? 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 Since 1882, when the first successful law to safeguard historical monuments was established in Britain, it has been a legally protected, scheduled ancient monument. Yeah. Like you can't fox with it. No? No. Oh. Don't do it. Don't so do it. I can't carve my name into it when we go visit it? I'm sure they, they probably would shun that, I believe. I don't think they won't dismiss me though. Like I won't get kicked out. No, I think you will. Oh damn. Yeah. They might actually find a gun and shoot you. <laughs> Just out the way three to six weeks from the exactly. permit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. are <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> So, in uh, 1986, the location and its surroundings were included on the UNESCO list of World Heritage Sites, and we've talked about that before in the... Creepy Russia. Creepy Russia yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah. So, the National Trust owns the land surrounding Stonehenge, which is owned by the Crown and cared for by the English Heritage. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, that's right. From its earliest days, Stonehenge might have served as a cemetery, like we mentioned before. The ditch and bank were first dug right around 3000 BC and deposits containing human bone continued for at least another 500 years. So maybe mm-hmm. that seems a little excessive to make a cemetery <laughs> that's v- verbose, you know what I mean? And grandiose, should I say? I mean, you know maybe I mean? they were trying to do, maybe they saw like the, the Greek monuments or whatever and they're really big, like Colosseum style buildings and wanted to build something like that to represent their dead kind of thing, you know? Very possible. Actually, that's very, very possible. Well, let's keep going and find out. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the Oxford English Dictionary, henge cliff refers to a precipice or stone, hence the Stanin Stanis? Uh, sten- sten- I thought it was just Stanjes. Stan okay. Or Stanhang, described by writers in the eleventh century as being not far from Salisbury, are actually stones supported in the air. Yeah. Hey, Logan. What's up? Hey. Hi. Do me a favor. Okay. Smell me. Wait, what? Just smell me. Okay. Yeah, smell that? Yeah, it smells good, good, doesn't it? It does. Because that's Dr. Squatch. Oh, really? Of course. It's the best soap, and we talk about Dr. Squatch all the time on the show, and guess what? What? Our listeners right now can actually save 20% off of orders of $20 or more on their first purchase. No way. Yeah. Yeah. They can try it out. If you haven't tried out Dr. Squatch, what are you waiting for? You can literally save 20%. Just go to the TheMidnightTrainPodcast.com. Click on Sponsor Deals. Scroll down a little bit and uh, click on that banner, the Dr. Squatch banner. You'll see it. And, uh, yeah, I smell pretty good, don't I? Yeah, you smell great. Yeah, thank God I showered today. Thankfully. Huh. William Stookley records in 1740, quote, In Yorkshire, pendulous rocks are now referred to as Hengis. I have no doubt that hanging stones are what Stonehenge in Saxon Saxon means. Mm Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. The name Stonehenge is said to have originated from the old English words stan, which means stone, and either hinked, hinked, (laughs) which means hinge because the stone lentils, you know, hinge on the upright stones, so they kind of, not really, they sit there, and there's no hinge up there, but anyway, whatever. Okay, we'll just go with it. Or in <laughs> What? What? <laughs> Henson. 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 What the hell's going on? Which means to hang. See, that makes more sense. To hang makes more sense. Gallows. Mm-hmm. Or instrument of torture. Ho, ho, ho. Do you think it could be that? I mean, it would make sense why there'd be so many dead bodies up there. Could it be what if Stonehenge was initially a gallows? Oh. That's pretty cool. That's also kind of odd that you would need such a big-ass place to store your naughty, naughty people. What do you mean big place? What? It's not going to break. I mean, use right, but why? I mean, Olmstead Falls had a freaking toilet as their jail cell, and it was less than one person. But they weren't killing folk. That we know of. And how do you listen, what if there were multiple hangings at a time? Oh, true that. True. You know what I mean? Right. They were being very Maybe vicious. they needed something like big. Maybe they were like showing everyone, like, see what happens when you mess with my soup? <laughs> you know? You don't know. Those kings were kind of fucked up back then. Yeah, they, they were. were. Right. They were. They were. Just saying. So this is according to Christopher Chippendale's Stonehenge complete. Uh, though elsewhere in his book, Chippendale cites the suspended stones et- etymology as well as dances around with his clothes off. <laughs> there it is. I was waiting for Yep. <laughs> The hinge portion has given its name to a class of monuments known as H- H- it's got to be hinges. Yeah, it's hinges. Or it's hinges. It's, it? it's hinges. Hangus H- <laughs> <laughs> Archaeologists define H- hinge D- sure as earthworks consisting of a circular bank, uh, banked enclosure with an internal ditch. Yes. Yeah. So it's you got it. It's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a ramp that goes like into the ditch, so like a crater. It's basically a crater, yes. Sean Connery just showed up and told us. <laughs> so hinges or we or idiots may be classified as follows. The class one Hengus or Hinges. Which one are we picking? Hinges, we're using Hinges. I like Haggis. Hengus, we're using Hengus. Hengus. Even if it's wrong, we're using it. Class one Hengus, which um have a single entrance created from a gap in the bank. Yes. Class two Hengus. It's not Hengis, it can't be. (laughs) Which have two entrances diametrically opposite each other. And in class three, Hengis... Yes. Which have four entrances facing each other in pairs. Oh. Wow. Some other Hengis that are well-known are Averbury, about 20 miles north of Stonehenge on Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire. Ooh. Knowlton Circles, uh, the Henge complex in Dorset, Momberry Rings in Dorset, later reused as a Roman amphitheater, and then as a civil war fort. That's pretty cool. That is kind of cool. Mayburg Henge in Cumbria. Sorry, I said it wrong. Mayburg Henge in in Cumbria. The Ring of Brogdor in Orkney. God, these names are so amazing. (laughs) Nothing that sounds that cool over here. the Ring of Brodgar. Yeah. And then, oh oh boy, Thornborough Henge's complex in Yorkshire. Yeah, right. and listen, please take our—we're stupid, so just you know <laughs> what I mean. As you're listening to this, and you're like, "That's not what it's called." You should write us a review and let us know that. Yes, because <laughs> I mean, the hangus is actually in the word Stonehenge, and it's pronounced Henge. So, but I like Hengus better. So it's Stonehenge. It's Stonehenge. Henge, <laughs> because it's hanging stones. Get it? Right. Hengi. See, it could be. So, it seems like most of these are to be found in the Uni- United Kingdom region. From pictures, though, it seems that they have uh, may have been, you know, ponds or small garden-like areas that have just been left to nature to do with, you know, whatever may happen. Right. Or maybe it's aliens. Oh ho ho ho. Yeah, it's probably aliens, right? I mean, it's it's got to be. I mean, why would you just make a ditch? Right. I mean, right. Like maybe that's where the alien spacecraft landed. Oh, it was just so heavy to put right, and And it just. So then, then they made those little monuments as like landing pads for them. And they were probably like, listen, y'all, I need someplace to hang my clothes. Oh, uh, true that, true that, true that. So they were like humans. I'd say I just saw stone henge. You see that? Anyway, despite <laughs> sharing a time period with actual Neolithic hen- Hengis, hinges. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's hinges. And Stone Circle, Stonehenge differs in many respects. For instance, it's extant Trilithons. Li- <laughs> It's a big word. It's extant Trilithon's lentils, which are almost 24 feet tall and secured in place with mortise and tenon joints are unusual. And that is crazy. Yes. Like back at that time. So they were carving stone in order to make the joints for these things? Yup. That's wild. Yep, So they lock into place basically. So two pieces of wood or other material are joined by a mortise and tenon joint. For thousands of years, woodworkers have used it to join pieces of wood typically when the adjacent pieces meet at right angles. Yeah, and if you've ever seen one of those joints before, it literally, like, you you basically billow this out here and then opposite this here, and it goes... Because it's so, kind of like a, it's, 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 it. So the mortise and tenon joint, instead of having the four, like the, the four of them. It's the together, one, right? It's one that goes into a hole. So it's like a penis going <laughs> into a vagina <laughs> and it just locks in. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah it's not like a dovetail. Nope. No. No. You trying to get some tail. Uh, yeah. you know what <laughs> anyway, strong and reliable mortise and tenon joints can be employed in a variety of tasks. I know they can. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. By either gluing or locking into place, they produce a robust result. The, you done over there? I worded that so perfectly. The mortise and tendon joint has a nice appearance as well, and it does. Are you all right? He sneaks one in, and he giggles like a little girl. You hear this? This is so good. Oh, my God. I almost snarfed my beer everywhere. And remember folks whenever we reference any kind of movie or show you should be drinking with us. All right. That's that's I haven't brought that up lately. You OK. He's crying yeah, I'm again. Good, I'm good. He's crying again. It was good. It was good. Anyway. Forgot I put that in there. You good. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. So this joints difficulty to make due to the accurate measuring and tight cutting required uh, is is kind of a, a, a yeah it's a drawback there right. because you have to be able to like to be, <laughs> you got you got to spit on it. <laughs> A mortise and tenon joint is straightforward and durable in its most fundamental form. This type of joint has various variations, but the classic mortise and tenon consists of two parts: the tenon tongue and the mortise hole. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's the actual wording. for it. Yep, it is, and that's we're, we're children, is you know, what we are. Yes, hole. sorry. Yeah, I would say I apologize, but I don't. Nope, nope, not at all. So the tenon, which is created on the end of a piece of material, often known as a rail, fits into a hole that has been drilled into the opposite matching piece of material. You guys have seen this before. Like an old, especially an older furniture and stuff yeah. like that. The tenon is precisely shaped to suit the mortise opening. When the joint in, uh, entirely enters the mortise hole, its shoulders, they sit together. So everything's right. level and even. Right. To secure the joint, you can use glue, which I doubt they had back then, pins, Again, probably didn't. Well, they actually had a lot of that stuff back then. The glue they used—just uh, honey and milk—that was your—that was your your glue back in the day. I'm sure they used something that was sticky <laughs> with their mortise and ten. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> pins and wedges. Do you think? Okay, wait, wait, wait. You're trying to tell me honey and and milk is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Are going to hold twenty seven or twenty five ton pieces of rock? No, see, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. You just said they didn't have glue back then. I didn't oh. say they had good glue. Well, I was more so saying, like, Elmer's. I just didn't think, like, Elmer's was around back then. They had gorillas back then. Gorilla glue? <laughs> <laughs> totally different thing back then, though. No. <laughs> just taking it and <laughs> throwing it in at you. Ow! Hey, Logan. Hi. How's it going? It's great. Good. You're a nerd, right? Uh, Yeah. Good. Me too. And you use wise cameras in your home, right? I sure do. Awesome. And WISE is full HD. Oh, yeah. Their cameras. Great quality. Beautiful. Far less expensive than some of those other brands. Of course. And they they work, bottom line. Of course. Yeah. Right. And you can access it from your phone. You can do all those things, right? You can everything. You can see everything. I can see everything. That's amazing. And guess what, passenger? You can actually save up to 50% on smart home tech with Wise's fifth anniversary sale. All right. So just get on over to the midnight Click on sponsor deals. And then you will see that little banner down there for wise cameras and all their tech because it's good stuff. It's very good stuff. And you don't have to break the bank to be safe. So other materials can also be utilized with this joint. For instance, stonemasons and blacksmiths both typically utilize it because it's strong. It's very, very very good joint. Four or five trenches now, three of which appear to have uh, supported substantial pine totem pole type poles built during the Mesolithic period between 8,500 in 7,000 BC are the earliest constructions in the nearby area that are known to exist. It is unknown how these poles connect to Stonehenge, which obviously became, you know, came later. Yeah. That's freaking crazy, dude. Yeah. Like almost, what was that? That's You're talking almost 10, oh, no, over, over 10,000 10, years. Yeah, over 10,000 years ago. Yeah. And they were putting up like pone, oh, pone, pine. Porn. Did you say porn? <laughs> I was going to say pone, pine. pine. Pole, it's like structures or whatever in that area. 10,000 years ago. That's crazy. Tell me that time machines don't exist. Marty McFly was there and he got stuck and he had to build some shit. Yeah, that was the uh, the catapult that launched him to 88 miles an hour. That's what I'm saying. See, uh-huh. ah, it's all coming See, together. Makes sense, It's all man. coming together. The chalk downland in the vicinity of Stonehenge, Stonehenge, <laughs> may have been an unusually open terrain at this period, which uh, when much of the remainder of southern England was largely covered by woods, of course. It's probable that this is why it was chosen as the location for a complex of early Neolithic monuments. Yes. yes, I love it. I really want to go over there so bad. Like, not even joking. England, I'm coming to fuck your shit up. Let's do it. I don't know when, but I am the uh, Causewayed Enclosure of Robin Hood's Ball. Oh, oh. Two curses monuments: the greater, uh, the greater or Stonehenge, and Lesser Circus, Circe's, Circe's, Cir- 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 curses. Scissor me, Xerxes! <laughs> a number of long barrows and two rectangular earthworks, all belonging to periods around 3500 BC, were all part of this entire complex. So these things are all around in this area. Yeah, so there's right. an actual really cool picture of them, which we'll post up in the uh, the, the, the chat and the forums and stuff later. Um, but it's uh, it actually it's a sky um, view, basically, of Stonehenge. And then if you look around it, you can actually see very similar style um, circular groupings like lead up into it. Because it's like maps for aliens, right? Yeah. It's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a map of our galaxy. Right. See, you guys think we don't know. Oh, but we know. But we know. I'm just, we're not trying to tell you guys, because... And if you don't know, now you, you know,
1: know. Baby, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the heel stone and the small mound known as the North Barrow may have been early Stonehenge elements. But the oldest major activity is the construction of a circular ditch with an inner and outer bank, which occurred around 3000 BC. This had two entrances and surrounded a space that was roughly 100 meters in circumference. It was a hinge hinge (laughs) monument in its earliest form. Very, very cool, man. There may have been some timber buildings within the bank and ditch, and right inside the bank were 56 pits known as the Aubrey Holes. The contents of these holes have been the subject of, you know, a lot of discussion. People have been talking about it a lot. Yeah. For many years, it was widely believed that they held upright timber posts, but more recently, the theory that some of them may have carried stones, and it's surfaced recently. Yeah. What do you think about that? That's that's, that's we'll, we'll get into that, I uh, guess. Okay, yeah, so okay. We're foreshadowing. Ooh. Yeah. Hold on. dan, dan! Dan! <laughs> People interred um, and, uh, cremations in the Aubrey Holes in the uh, area around them and in the ditch, okay? It is estimated that 150 people were originally buried at Stonehenge, making it the largest late Neolithic cemetery in the British Isles. About 64 cremations were actually discovered there, which is crazy too. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But, I mean, I didn't think they had fire back then. They didn't. So how'd that happen? Uh, dragons. Ah, see? mm it all makes sense, man. Sean Connery, <laughs> the best dragon. He is the best. He was the best. Well, no, he's not. He's the second best dragon. Who's the best dragon? The the one from Mulan. Oh, uh, you're talking about uh Eddie Murphy? Yeah. What, what Mushu. Was Mushu. Was it Mushu? Mushu. I think it's Mushu. Yeah, I think it was. That Mushu. would make the most sense. Yeah, I believe yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's that's my favorite dragon. Oh yeah, same. Oh, take it back. <clears throat> okay, that's my second favorite dragon. Who's first? From Neverending Story. Yeah. Have you seen that? No. (laughs) I saw part of it and when I was a little kid, like the first time I saw it, I was like four years old. Oh that fucking dragon scared the shit out of me, so I didn't want to watch it, and I just never been back to watch it. I just love how you were like, Yeah. Like have you seen it? Nope. (laughs) You son of a biscuit eating bulldog. Anyway. Archaeological evidence indicates that this site has been occupied for considerably longer than 2300 B.C. period, during which these stones are thought to have been built. According to research, the majority of these stones were mined 150 miles away in Wales, is it Prisilly? Prisilly? Prisilly. Prisilly. Yeah. In Wales, over in Wales, in the Prisilly Hills. Yeah. Yeah, so it actually didn't, they, they believe that it wasn't actually put together there or maybe put together but it wasn't built there right so but it came from someplace else how the hell are you going to transport 25 tons 150 miles 150 miles and part of that's a lot of water I mean, that's
1: it's that's, 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 that's
0: yeah that's pretty wild that doesn't make sense yeah. unless there's aliens man or dragons or dragons yeah ah yeah the coastal region of north pembrokeshire it's not shire. shire, It's shire. I feel, I feel good that I know this. See, I don't. This like, is my homeland. I don't like that you keep saying shire. I like, it, I like it's shire. shire. It's not, but it's not shire. I know it's not, but it's I, Pembroke I like it. shire. It's Pembroke Shire. It's not. No, we are going back to the shire. Listen, how about this? Yeah, I say Hinge. Okay, you say shire. Perfect. All right, there it is. This is why you guys hate us. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, so this coastal region over there has produced additional stones. All right, so they've actually seen additional ones. And additionally, each stone is substantial and weighs between two and four tons. And that is a ton of weight. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is such a funny one, man. <laughs> How could a prehistoric civilization carry such massive stones over such vast distances is the question surrounding the Blue Stones. Many have hum- uh, many hypotheses have been put out to account for this, you know, strange event. Yeah. One explanation holds that the stones were brought to the Stonehenge location during the uh, Pleistocene era by glaciers that moved slowly. Glacier. Wait a minute, hold on. They're saying that a big-ass piece of ice dropped these rocks off. But they had to have been made already. So they used... Because they're carved. It's not like they're just... They're pillars. And the, but the the glaciers, they move very quickly, though.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They're so <laughs> fast. I mean, this was 10,000 years yeah. ago. I mean, you God, they slip and slide over there. Just <laughs> freaking... Did you see that? That was a glacier. <laughs> <laughs> wow this whole thing of land look at that Phew. oh wow it's Grand Canyon now that's crazy <laughs> that is insane these stones were left by the glaciers near the uh, current Stonehenge location since there is evidence that the stones were cut 500 years before they were laid mm. some researchers think that they were previously used at another nearby site like we talked about before being reused at Stonehenge so still like 500 I I'm, okay I'm not buying that one mm. yeah that, I'm, that's my least favorite yeah I right know the explanations of many early historians uh, were influenced by folktales about supernatural beings. Oh, yeah. All um, right. Some myths said the, uh, that Merlin himself, that's right, the great wizard Merlin, <laughs> had a giant construct, a uh, yeah <laughs> construct, should I say, build the building for him, or that he had transported it, you know, magically from Mount Kilaris in ireland, well others just straight up blame the fucking devil, you know, say yeah, he is blamed for a lot, man. He does. Man, all he want to do is just build some rocks, I man. I know. It's, it's kind make of make them out of this cool little building for all their bad people and, you know, they were like,
1: "No, he's bad. No." Yeah,
0: because he's big and red and sexy. He is he's he's, he's a handsome. He is. He is. He got a really sexy voice too when he talks. Kind of gets you like, like huh, all right. He's handsome as the devil, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, so around, um, uh, let's see, 1130 AD, Henry of Huntingdon, not Huntington, Huntingdon, Huntingdon, described the monument for the first time, and Geoffrey of Monmouth soon followed. Geoffrey was the first to mention imaginative connections with Merlin the Wizard, which caused the monument to be included in the larger cycle of European medieval romance. According to Geoffrey's Historia Regum (laughs) Britanniae, Merlin directed King Areola, uh, Are- Areolas oh. Aurelius. No, it's Ariolas this one. <laughs> Is Aureli- Ariolas? I like that better. Ambrosius to gather an army and some magical stones from Mount Kilaris in Ireland when he was asked where the deceased princess of Britain might be buried. Merlin laughed at the troops' futile attempts to move the stones using ladders, ropes, and other tools, of course, while they were at Mount Kilaris. Shortly after, Merlin directed the removal of stones using his own equipment, ordered their loading onto the troop ships, and ordered them to be sailed back to England, where they were re- rebuilt into Stonehenge. Contrary to common perception, Geoffrey did not assert that Merlin had ordered a giant to construct Stonehenge on its behalf. It appears that Robert Wace, who later translated Geoffrey's original book into French, actually kind of screwed up. That's or or he added that in as little whatever. But even, let's just say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hypothetically, oh, yes. Merlin the Wizard is like, you know what? I have my own way to do it. And then he gets it on a boat. It's 25 tons. Mm-hmm. Could those boats hold 25 tons back then? That's what I'm thinking, man. Like They would have to build boats specifically designed to carry each stone, but individually. Right. But not like, even. I mean, still, that's, that's still a ton of weight. <laughs> That is a lot of weight. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. Because, you I mean, they they have old wooden ships. It's the second time I've used that today, and I love it. I don't care. <laughs> and You know what I mean, though? It's just, yeah. I don't know. I'm, no, not, it I'm not, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not, I love that we're just completely deviating from the fact that they think a wizard did it. <laughs> oh, no. Berlin's an actual person. Oh, yeah. He's an actual person. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I met him a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also call him Chainsaw nowadays. Oh, is that who Chainsaw? Oh. We find... A, oh, chainsaw, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, riding in the guise of his former boss, Inigo Jones, the architect John Webb asserted that Stonehenge was a Roman temple constructed in accordance with the Tuscan order, dedicated to... Salius, C- Caelus. Calus. calus, Calus. You're saying Gaelus or Calus? Caelus. You gotta say it like a Roman. It's a Calus. This is Sparta. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the Latin name for the Greek sky god your anus no it's Uranus. no it's not not on this show it's not <laughs> later comment uh, commentators argued that it was built by the Danes okay in fact until the latter part of the 19th century that Saxons or other relatively modern societies were frequently credited with building the site so they are just blaming everybody for they're doing this everybody John Aubrey made the first academic attempt to examine and comprehend the monument somewhere uh, right around uh, 1640. You know, only like 3,000 years, 4,000 years after the fact. Right. But yeah, you know. He claimed that Stonehenge was a druid creation. Oh. When 800 druid drink fuckers. Anyway. <laughs> William Stukeley did an excellent job of popularizing this viewpoint. In early Celtic cultures, a druid belonged to the elite class. That's right. You know, I'm i'm a druid <laughs> yes. i always thought druids were those guys that were like all the freaking tree branches and talk to like nature and stuff like that like the nymphs and stuff those are hippies that's what i thought a druid was no yeah. no mm. what the hell are you uh, thinking about druids play with like rune stones and stuff oh yeah yeah oh druids are they live in a they have all the oxygen just put it that way. Just watch Spaceballs. You'll understand. <laughs> stupid. Just saying. So, Druids were respected members of the clergy who also served as judges, jurists, lore keepers, healers, and political advisors. Lore keepers. God, that's a great term. I want to be a lore keeper. Yeah, but the next part doesn't make any sense, though, if you're a lore keeper. Oh. Druids left no records <laughs> in writing. <laughs> so, how you you keeping lore if you can't write? No one said he was good at his job. All right? <laughs> no, he just... He that's, took everything verbally. Maybe that's why we don't have them around anymore. <laughs> Probably he, he fucked it all up. He's like, uh, "So you, uh, what's, what what is your name again? T- Thomas. Um, you're going to be our lawkeeper. <laughs> Great." And then, like five years later, it's like, "So, what do you have?" He's like, "I've got fuck all. <laughs> I'm deaf." <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, well then, someone to hang him, yeah, <laughs> on the the gallows, <laughs> <laughs> on the gallows at Stonehenge. Anyway. So, although they are, they, they are thought to have been literate, you know, they could write and whatever, yeah. dogma is thought to have stopped them from writing down their knowledge. In other words, they were religious and they didn't want people to know what they could do and what they had because they didn't want people to take it from them. Oh, is that what it is? And reuse it. Oh. Their contemporaneous people from other cultures, such as the Romans and the Greeks, have provided some detail about their beliefs and practices. Oh, really? And you have to be at least somewhat Proud that I actually nailed that word. I was. Very I'm proud. just saying, because if listen, if you're a long time listener, my, my mouth doesn't like me a lot. So every now and then I get these words like you know the and and, <laughs> and I screw them up. However, contemporaneous, I just knocked out of the fucking park twice. It's pretty good. Can you go thrice? Ah, contemporaneous. Very good. Contemporaneous. <laughs> All right. The first measured. Uh, med- see, but I fucked. Back. <laughs> <laughs> but I screwed measured up. Hey, that's what I get. That's what I get. That's my fault. That's karma. All right. Whatever. The first measured sketches of the site, which were also produced by Aubrey, we talked about him earlier, Yes, allowed for a deeper examination of its significance and form. He was able to show through this effort that the stone's location was influenced by the stars or the calendar. Ooh. So it's kind of. Another thing that might have you know used from the Greeks and stuff. Vice Just saying, lecture, you know what I mean. Just saying. You said like Alexa, like vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like Alexa. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so in 1740, the architect John Wood was tasked with conducting the first actually precise survey of Stonehenge. Stukeley, who considered the druid uh, the druids as biblical patriarchs rather than pagans fiercely criticized Wood's interpretation of the monument as a site of pagan ritual. <laughs> How dare you and you pagans? Well, see, so that makes sense. Though, and your Christmas. <laughs> and your Christmas. That makes sense, though, because Vikings were big, bulky, freaking big dudes that can carry those stones on each shoulder. You know what I mean? English folk couldn't do that. Our, our, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just saying. Whoa, did you guys hear this? I'm just saying. My, my, listen, our English listeners right now you can send all hate mail to Logan <laughs> at the Midnight Train Podcast. Because we we're we tougher than the Vikings. Yes. Of course. <laughs> As they pillage and plunder you away. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll be your law keeper. <laughs> so based on the bronze artifacts discovered in the neighboring boroughs around the turn of the 19th century, John Lubbock was able to date the location to the Bronze Age. Yeah. And that is, of course, where they just made everything out of bronze. It was, it was it was a cool alloy. Right? Definitely a cool alloy. Like here. Instead of getting your female pregnant, here is a bronzen condom. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> Except they have to mold it onto you. Oh god.
1: It's so hot.
0: Wasn't there an English guy that was like had a a, a, a steel mask? Like I know it was obviously based off of G. I. Joe, what's his face? But uh but there was an actual, like, uh, guy or king or something like that. Is that the, hold on, you're talking about, uh, hold on, uh, is it The Count of Monte Cristo? Y- is that what yes, we're talking yes, about? Are, yes. you, are you sure that is? Yes, yes. Where he had, like, the 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 face mask melted onto his yeah. face or whatever? Yeah. Uh, was that Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie? Wait, we're talking about two different things. Yeah, no, I'm talking about G.I. Joe. No, that's. But it was based off of the guy from the Monte Cristo guy or whatever. I don't know, you know if that's right. It might not be, but I know it's I know it's some dude Listen, a long time ago. We may not be smart, but we sure are funny. <laughs> anyway, so, hey, I don't know. Look it up real quick. I'm going to find that out real quick. So according to radiocarbon testing at the location, construction on the monument there started approximately, like we said, 3100 B.C. and ended around 1600 B.C. This makes it very possible to rule out some of the explanations that have been put out there. Despite the fact that the Celtic society that gave rise to the Druid priesthood didn't exist until after 300 BC. Oh, the druid explanation may be the most widely accepted one, since the druids performed most of their rituals in the woods or mountains, uh, places better suited for you know earth mm. rituals. Got ya, got ya. Then, in open field, it is improbable that they used. Uh, it's also it, it's very improbable, should I say, not impossible, but improbable that they used a the location for sacrifices. Oh. The claims made by Inigo Jones and others that Stonehenge was constructed as a Roman temple are refuted by the fact that the Romans first arrived in the British Isles when Julius Caesar launched an expedition in 55 B.C. Ooh, 55 yeah. B.C. Yeah. So Stonehenge appears to have been connected with a uh, with burial from the, uh, the very beginning of its existence. According to Mike Parker Pearson, project leader of the Stonehenge Riverside Project centered around Durrington Walls. Yes. So the guy that we were talking about is going to be a future episode because they don't know who this guy is. What do they call him? Um, The The man in the tower? The the man in the iron mask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're thinking that the guy's name was Eustace Dauger but they don't know for sure because there's no records on it. There's just letters coming back and forth from the jailer. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's next week's episode. We just figured it out. That's how we do it here in the show. <laughs> we but to dive into that one. You find something interesting and we roll with it. That's it. That's, that's. So from its inception to its peak in the middle of the third millennium B.C., Stonehenge served as a place of burial, like we said. The cremation grave discovered, what would they say, 64 cremations? Mm-hmm. Uh, discovered at Stonehenge um, uh, during the Sars and Stones era is probably only one of many from this latter time of the monument's use and shows that it was still primarily a place for the dead to be entered. So Ooh. maybe maybe it was a, maybe they set it up as a, like a cosmic thing to the gods. That's what I was thinking. Like, like because it's round, maybe they thought that if they could, you know, if people were buried there, their souls would go to the afterlife because it was like a gateway. We talk about that. It's like st- starship troopers or some shit. Isn't that Stargate? That's what I said. Anyway, (laughs) at least 1,500 years were spent on several construction phases at Stonehenge. There is uh, proof of extensive construction on and surrounding the monument, which suggests that the landscape has been inhabited for at least 6,500 years. Lots of people there for a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't know about a lot of people, but they've been there for a long time. The natural chalk has been disturbed by, oh boy, paraglacial effects and animal burrowing. Low-quality early excavation records and a lack of precise, scientifically validated dates make it difficult to date and comprehend the many eras of activity. Oh, shitballs. Oh. uh, So, that's pretty cool, though, right? That is very cool, actually. So, under the nearby old tourist parking lot, I guess that's what it is, right? That's what it is now. Right. Which was in use until 2013. Archaeologists discovered four or probably uh, five, maybe five, Massive Meso- uh, <laughs> Mesolithic post holes that date to roughly 8,000 BC. Yeah. So, 10,000 years ago, someone was trying to put up a damn fence because their neighbor pissed them off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is exactly what it was. That takes a lot. Well, because then you got sheep just running around everywhere, man. I don't like my grass below two and a half inches. Damn. Damn. So one may have been a natural tree throw, like an actual tree that just came up through the thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So these supported pine holes with a diameter of about 2 feet 6 inches, or 75.75 meters, for the rest of you who are more intelligent than I am, which were built and subsequently decayed in place. The east-west arrangement of three of the posts, and potentially four, may have had ritual significance. Ooh. The Warren Field site in Aberdeenshire, Aberdeenshire, Abedin, Aberdeenshire, oh, I forgot we made that deal. Okay. <laughs> Which is regarded as the world's um, earliest lunar calendar and is adjusted yearly by observing the midwinter solstice is another Meso- uh, Mesolithic astronomical site in Britain. Scandinavia has produced sites that are comparable, but more recent. At uh, Blickmead, a dependable year-round spring one mile, or 1.6 kilometers, from Stonehenge, a habitation that may have been contemporaneous with the post, has been discovered. I did it again. I did. I'm telling you, I got that one. I just can't say small words. Anyway. So, they're finding a bunch of stuff. And they're finding a bunch of stuff in the area that all seems to kind of, like, correlate with it. It's all old. Right. A.F. Very, very old. You know what I mean? So, and then if they're talking about with solstices and stuff like that, then... The whole idea with the druids does kind of make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they were building this thing. But just how did they have the functionality to do that? Like, how did they lift a lintel Yes. that weighs approximately anywhere between, what, two to four tons to 25 tons? That's a big difference. That's a big amount of weight. And don't get me wrong, I mean, remember, because you know, we have the pyramids and stuff too, mm-hmm. but I've talked about my whole premise of what I believe it's aliens. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, anyway, that just seems very, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just weird to me that they have a, that they would have the technology to be able to lift that up there. I mean, if you have enough, if you <clears throat> have a, a decent ideology on like pulleys and stuff like that, you might be able to, but I mean, some of those are what 13 feet tall. You'd have to, like, some way, shape, or form have, like, counter levers and, like, weights and something like that. Your pulley system would have to be even higher and right. be able to re- retain that, that strength. Maybe that's what those posts are from. Out of wood?
1: You never know, man.
0: They use wood to roll the freaking sandstone blocks across the freaking Nile and crap. I use my wood all the time. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. So, Salisbury Plain was still covered in trees at the time, but around 4,000 years later, in the early Neolithic. Um, era, people constructed a causeway enclosure at Robin Hood's ball and long-borrow graves all around it. Okay, so there's graves everywhere. This is like a place of death, dude. That's, that's what it is. And then I didn't even know that. I had no idea that Stonehenge, Stonehenge was a place of death. A Stonehenge's Cursus. Is it Cursus or it's Cursus? It's Cursus. Cursus. It's Cursus was constructed uh, 2,300 feet uh, or 700 meters north of the site as the earliest farmers started to remove the forest and develop the area in, uh, you know, right around 3,500 B.C. Burial mounds and other ancient stone or timber buildings that have gone unnoticed can go back to as far as 4,000 B.C. Near the site of uh, Vespasian's Camp. I said that right, too. I'm pretty happy. Hmm. Uh, which is uh, one uh, one point I'm uh, just going to skip the miles <laughs> 2.4 kilometers from Stonehenge uh, charcoal from the Blickbead camp has been dated to 4000 BC as well mm-hmm. so th- this stuff is crazy old according to the Humanities Research Institute at the University of Bunkingham uh, <laughs> B- Buckingham Buckingham <laughs> this area was home to the Stonehenge community for multiple millennia making it potentially quote one of the crucial locations of the history of the stonehenge landscape so i mean and again community it's not just the stonehenge hanging out there (laughs) there are so many different things around it like right you know which again to me it's going to the druids it is 1-800 druidia no you'll get it one day so, the first monument was a late Cretaceous, uh, the Cent- uh, Centonian age, Seaford chalk, circular bank, and ditch enclosure that was about 360 feet or 110 meters in diameter. It's pretty big. About the length of a football field. Because it's like, what, 320? No. Hold on. You got that? It's 100 yards. End zones are 10, so it'd be 300. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. 360 feet It's a football field. Sure you, you doubted yourself. I did, I did. Going, I did. Yeah, yeah. You looked at me weird, and I was like, I, oh, I just, I'm just going. Did right. I not do math right? No, you got it. Okay, okay. It had two entrances, a larger one to the northeast and a smaller one to the south. It was situated on a slightly sloping area of open grassland. The ditch's foundation was filled with the remains of deer and oxen, as well as various artifacts made of worked flint. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the people who buried the bones had taken care of them for some time before burial and the bones were much older than the antler picks used to dig the trench like the ditches of the previous causeway enclosures in the area the ditch was continuous but had been dug in portions to create the bank the chalk from the ditch was piled up okay Ooh, okay okay around 3100 uh, BC marks the end of this initial phase all right following which the ditch which the ditch Started to naturally uh, silt up. All right, so it started to build on its own because it's starting to form. And they basically you started the form, and it starts to do its. You know what I mean? It's just, but you know what happens when you when you throw like one pair of jeans down, and then like all your clothes wind up on that same spot. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same idea. Okay, a circle of fifty six pits, each me- uh, measuring. Measuring and I are not getting along. But no. yet that other fucking word. Mm, sorry. Each measuring about 3.3 feet or one meter in diameter is located within the perimeter of the enclosed area. These pits are referred to as the, once again, what do we call them? The Aubrey Holes after John Aubrey, the antiquarian, who we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. is said to have first discovered them in the 17th century. The Palisade or Gate Ditch is the collective name for these trenches, the bank and the ditch. Despite the lack of any excavated evidence, the pits may have included standing timbers that formed a timber cir- circle. Again, we talked about the actual... So maybe that's what they used to, <clears throat> like, like, guiding posts. That's right. Yeah, that would make sense. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I got this idea, but instead of bringing like, all this stone over here, why don't we just use this really light-ass wood mm-hmm. and build it? And this is how I want it. And then we'll get the stone. And, and the then fire. we get the girl's. First we get the khakis, then we get the jobs, then we get the girls. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, I don't know, that's kind of where I'm leading on this, right? Yeah. Kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense to me as well, too, so. Yeah, it's like a, it's a precipice. But it's just yeah, I mean, (sighs) no good. What are you going to say? The dating on a lot of that stuff, though, was just odd because they had a lot of those posts where radiocarbon dated, what, 8,000 BC? I didn't say it happened overnight. I mean, but. Five thousand years to go from wood I'm to just, stone. I'm Did it just, take that long to cut a damn piece of rock? I mean, maybe the wood uh-huh. turned into stone from Merlin. That's actually. I mean, they were doing a lot of alchemical design. I'm like just that. saying that could be a. I'm just a saying thing. maybe it's just what is it called when when um, wood is it's turns to stone? Petrified? Yes, thank you. The petrification process. Yeah, what happens when all, all lightning strikes wood or sand? what happens to my wood every time it's it petrified <laughs> uh, sorry so a blue stone circle may have initially been built using the aubrey holes according to recent excavation findings if so it would put the monument one, uh, 500 years earlier than the first known stone building in other words it didn't come from there it was made somewhere else and brought to the area with such massive amounts of weight, it just, none of that makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, this is why I think everyone's, like, really perplexed by this damn thing. Well, yeah, because, like, how, I mean, if they, it was originally supposed to be over in Wales, and they were able to transport it over 150 miles, and that's how many pieces of stone? I mean, there's, like, a lot of stone, not including the weight of all of the stones individually, and then they were carved out to fit inside there. Like, you didn't just pick up a piece of rock and put it in a hole. Like, you had to carve it out make sure it lined up perfectly. To join in at that joint. Right. And these are not, I mean, these are not like little pieces of stone in any way, shape, or form. No. Like to be able to have a a crane system, like, but then if they had that, then where are those tools that showed that? You know what I mean? (sighs) Like it just, it's so perplexing. It is. A group of archaeologists under the direction of Mike Parker Pearson discovered more than 50,000 cremated bone fragments from 63 people entered at uh, Stonehenge in 2013. 50,000 different bones. Yeah. From 63 different people. These remains were originally inter interred. Damn it, I hate that word. Only because it looks like interred. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it also sounds like interred. It too. Interred. Separately in the Aubrey Holes excavated by uh, by William Hawley during an earlier dig in 1920, deemed uninteresting by him. He was like, meh, it's just fucking bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, whatever. Me. This is gross. Me. And then reinterred collectively in one grave, Aubrey Hole 7, in. Uh, 1935. Ooh. Okay, so they actually found them. Was like, but this is bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit. This is bo-
0: I don't. It's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for aliens. Yeah. Looking for gold. That would be nice. Where's the gold? So the incinerators were almost evenly split between men and women, and some of them were even youngsters, according to physical and chemical analysis of the remains. These are ones that were um, cremated. The scientists came to the conclusion that the first bluestones imported from Wales were probably used as grave markers since there were indications of the underlying chalk beneath the graves being crushed by heavy weight. And that's heavy. It is a lot of weight, yeah. The site's age has been determined by radiocarbon dating to, again, roughly 3000 BC. And uh, they, they initially thought it was only 2500 BC. Right. So... Many of the people uh, interred there around the time of construction had likely traveled from Wales close to the bluestone source Mm -hmm. and had not spent much time living in the Stonehenge region before passing away. This is according to a 2018 study of the strontium composition of the bones. So what if I'm listening Merlin Mm -hmm. turned them into giants to bring the stones over? Oh, shit. And then once they were there, uh-huh. he turned them back to humans. And because of that, that's all they all died. Okay. Um, I just I, I just have one thing. One thing. Sure. You need to watch more anime. I don't know what. You need to watch more anime. Is that like, is that the weird cartoon porn? That's hentai. Oh, yeah. No, anime. Wait, no. Hentai. Isn't that the stuff you put on your hands for... No, that's henna. No, that's the thing that least chickens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> oy, oy, oy. So studies conducted between 2017 and 2021 by pre- uh, Professor Pearson and his team suggested that the blue stones used in Stonehenge had been moved there after the dismantling of a stone circle at the Welsh site of Juan Mom in the Priscilla Hills. Remember we talked about that earlier. Yes. That was the same size as the first known Stonehenge circle, which is around 110 meters. Okay. We so get we get all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they they pretty much know that it came from Wales, right? Right. Which is way far away from where this is. It, it, it's not it's not necessarily a stone's throw, but yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> you were waiting this whole time. I <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So one of the blue stones it had housed exhibited signs that it had been reused at Stonehenge. The stone's distinctive uh, pentagonal shape helped identify it. And luminescent soil date, uh, excuse me, luminescent soil dating from the uh, the filled in sockets revealed that the circle had been built approximately 3400 to 3200 BC and demolished some 300 to 400 years later, which is congruent with the dates given for the construction of Stonehenge. Yeah, so? In other words, they had a big stone. Mm-hmm. They used a big stone, mm-hmm. and then they made a smaller stone mm-hmm. out of said stone. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm saying? Is that what I'm saying? That's, that's, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. You smell one stuff, then? Right, it's yeah. kind of stinky, yeah. but yeah. I mean, because I'm the shit. <laughs> <laughs> so migration was uh, offered as a possible explanation for the sudden decline in human activity in that region at the same time, although it is thought that other stones may have arrived from different sources. So maybe not all of them came from that one spot, but at least some of them did. But again, why? Yeah. And whom? And how? Exactly,
1: And what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the second stage of a building of Stonehenge here took place at about uh, twenty nine hundred to twenty six hundred BC. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. A timber building of some kind may have been erected inside the enclosure during the time, which I believe was probably used as some sort of a, uh, it's a frame a a guide, f- a guide, yeah, like a building thing. Like this is how I want it. This could be my house, right? This is what it, this is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Any question? <laughs> <laughs> so, based on the quantity of post holes dating uh, to the early third millennium BC, a parallel alignment of posts ran inward from the southern entrance, and more standing timbers were positioned at the northeast entrance. The post holes are less uniformly placed and have a smaller diameter, probably because they're getting drunker. Yeah, than the Aubrey holes, measured, uh, measuring only around uh, 16 inches. Okay, the ditch continued to sludge up as a uh, as the height of the bank was you know lowered. Right. It is known. They do know that at least 25 of the Aubrey holes had later invasive cremation burials from two centuries after the monument's construction, which is crazy. So okay, it's built. Mm-hmm. Nobody, not, not not that they don't know. There's no documentation. This civilization, who's migrating, stumbles upon it, immediately goes, "Oh my god, this thing is amazing." It has to be something for the gods. Right. Boom. That's how it becomes your burial spot. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. But who fucking built it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It still goes back to that, no matter what. It yeah. still goes back to that. It just don't make any sense, man. And, and why wait 200 years or more in order to utilize it as that? Well, because that's when all the, the verbatim, like, if they didn't keep records written, that's when the whole lore master thing or whatever. Lore Keeper. The Lore Keeper. The guy who fucked up, yeah. Yeah, he played telephone and it was like, oh yeah, we're making this for the gods. And it was like, oh no, you were supposed to be sacrificed for the gods. Right, what I'm more so saying is though is why didn't they who initially, though they who may not be named, those people, why didn't they use it as a burial ground? Because it was 200 years after it was built. Because they didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's damn good reason it's a very good reason <laughs> we just don't want to no nah. yeah the lore keeper told us not to yeah you know. <laughs> funny anyway so uh whatever the hole's original purpose it appears that uh, during phase 2 it altered to become a funeral um a funeral hole right. that's where they buried one 30 more cremations were buried largely in the eastern portion of the monument in the enclosure's ditch and other locations as the earliest known cremation cemetery in the British Isles, Stonehenge is consequently understood to have served as an enclosed cremation cemetery at this period. Additionally, pieces of unburned human bone have been discovered in the ditch fill. Remember, we talked a lot. There's a lot of those. Yeah, there were quite a few. The late Neolithic grooved ware pottery that has been discovered in combination with the features from this area serves as dating proof. It does it now? Yes. You see this pot? Yes. You want to smoke it? Maybe. <laughs> <Never. laughs> An axe and a dagger with the uh, with antique carvings are among the graffiti on the uh, Sarsen Stones. There's actually like carvings of Carves far. on them. Car- carves? Carves. There's carves on. It. <laughs> no. According to archaeological research, the builders turned away from wood in favor of stone approximately 2600 BC. Right? Because they said they started off with wood, and they had wood, stone, whatever. It doesn't still doesn't make any damn sense. Nope. Uh, and built two concentric arrays of holes in the center of the site. These stone sockets could be the remnants of a double ring. Mm. Yes. Although their exact function is unknown. No. Therefore, based on the evidence at hand, they are frequently described as creating crescents. Oh, so it's like a half ring with another half ring. Oh. I love croissants. A good croissant. That sounds good, right about no. I love them. Again, there is not much uh, concrete data, shocker, to date on this entire phase. Only 43 of the standing stones that once stood in the holes, indicated in, you know, in, you know, um, there were a lot there, but there were a lot more at one time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those are the only ones that can actually be found. And uh, the Priscilla Hills, okay, where we said that we think it, they think it originally came from. Right, right. Located 150 freaking miles away. Yeah. In Pembrokeshire. In Wales. Wallace. No, it's not Wallace. No, it's not Wallace. No, it's not Wallace. I, 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 you know what, dude? It could be. <laughs> Seriously. I have no idea. It might be. It might be Pembrokeshire Wallace. <laughs> anyway, they are believed to have provided the blue stones. Okay, so that's where they came from. Some of which are made of the volcanic rock dolerite. which is like a really cool rock. It's like really like gray with like some white little speckles all around it, like super, super fine granules, and it's like a little rough. I like dolerite a lot. So you like it rough, huh? I do. All right. You guys know now. Although there is no proof of glacial uh, deposition inside southern and central England. uh Aha. So blow that out of the water. Yeah. One idea holds that the Irish Sea Glacier carried them much closer to the location as glacial erratics, which we talked about earlier. And that's got to be horseshit. So the stone was stuck inside some ice. It was melted off and fell right in the exact location it was to be set up. That... So are they okay? They're not saying they using the glaciers to transport it. They're saying that the glaciers transported it on its own, and they I just feel like a much better story is that they were like, "Listen, there's a glacier coming, <laughs> and we're going to put these motherfuckers on there because Merlin is over there waiting for this." Yeah, and the lore keeper is keeping him busy, right. so throw it on the glacier mm-hmm. and let it go. Yeah, It's kind of like a barge. Exactly. It just takes it. It just takes five hundred years to get there. Yeah, yeah a little it's bit. fine. Yeah, I feel like that's a better story. I would agree. We should write a movie about that. <laughs> so the blue stone for Stonehenge was uh, quarried by humans rather than uh, being moved by glacial action. Acor- action, yeah, according to to a 2019 paper that uh, reported finding evidence of megalithic quarrying at Welsh quarries that were a source of the stone. Okay, mm. which makes a lot more sense. No, I don't think it does. Not for our movie, it doesn't. No, not for our movie, yeah, it does, that doesn't. That totally know. just fucked our entire movie up. <laughs> The discovery of a megalithic bluestone quarry at Craig Ross... What the fuck is that word? Ross, you fell in. Ross, you fell in? Ross, you fell in! in. (laughs) Peva! (laughs) Craig Ross, you fell in. Is that what it is? Or is it Craig... Ross, why fell in? Fell in. Why why you fell in? Yeah, I don't (laughs) know. Moving past that. Close to the Crimich in uh, Pembrokeshire which is the most likely location for some of the stones to have been collected supported the long distance human transport theory in 2011 small Sarzans, those are the sandstone ones uh and the standing stones they uh that were later utilized as lentils, the ones on top yeah may have also existed so that's probably going to be a little bit lighter mhm with this so that would kind of okay 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 so instead of it being 25 tons it's only like two or three tons, tons. yeah I mean, that makes a little... It's also super brittle, too, though. Yeah, a little bit. Especially sandstone. Sandstone is not very... Super brittle. Super brittle, yeah. 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 So these... uh, Anyway, they, of course, may have also existed over there in this Craig Ross felon thing. (laughs) According to historical accounts from China, Japan, and India, the stones, which weighed around two tons, might have been transported by being lifted and carried on rows of poles or rectangular frameworks of poles. If a revered stone circle from Priscilla was moved to Salisbury Plain in an effort to, quote, merge two sacred centers into one, to unify in two politically separate regions, or to legitima- uh, legitimize the ancestral identity of migrants moving from one region to another, it is unknown whether the stones were taken there um, directly from their quarries or as a result of the action. So, you know what this whole thing reminds me of? That glaciers can move stones. Yes. Okay. okay. I was also going to go to a SpongeBob reference. I mean, you probably haven't seen anything in SpongeBob. I haven't, but I feel like our listeners might. So, like, when they're going, they're, like, going on a little camping trip, and SpongeBob is, like, bring everything that you need to survive, and he just has a, like, you know, like when he had a little knapsack thing or whatever? and yeah, like the, the hobos did back yeah. in the day? Yeah. So he just has his big old rock that is on his back, basically, and he's just pulling his home because he lives under a rock what I kind of felt like that's what they so were you're saying Patrick moved Stonehenge is that what happened I wasn't saying Patrick necessarily <laughs> but you know I'm actually happy that I even knew who you were talking about yeah yeah look at me I'm old <laughs> so anyway I guess what they're saying is is that you know if it did go there it may have been used for those aforementioned reasons yeah but I feel like that seems like a, a, a lot of fucking work just to because they moved from one country to another and they're like yeah we're gonna bring our stones from our home over here and unify our. I mean, homes. but maybe though. I mean, maybe if they if they have some sort of uh, a connection to them. Maybe. I mean, there are to be some things revealed later on in our talkings about is where about. what. I, know, I was trying to do a gold member <laughs> reference, but it didn't work out. <laughs> so a, a, a hole from a rock that matches the odd cross-section of a stone Hingi blue stone, uh, like a key in a lock, because remember, that's how they built those. They they did. They put the, yep. Mm-hmm. Has been discovered at Mon Juan, um, excuse me, Juan Mon, <laughs> add that backwards, <laughs> near Perselli, uh, which uh where a 110-meter stone circle that may have housed part or all of Stone Hingi stones formerly stood. Ooh. Okay. So in other words, they believed this place over there actually housed the stones. That makes sense. They built it there to see what it looked like so they can bring it over here to build it there. But why? It's like the first Lego set. God, for giants. Yeah. More like Lincoln Logs, but yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love Lincoln Logs. Yeah. I used to have a like a really cool set. Did you really? Yeah, a little horsey and all that stuff too. I'm surprised I used to you even knew that. make little stables out of them and the smell. I can still smell it to this day. Did you just call it a horsey? Yeah. It was a little horsey. Yeah, right? I think logs. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so each monolith is roughly six point six feet or two meters tall, three point three to four uh, four point nine feet. All right, that's one to one and a half meters wide and six point five feet to point zero eight meters thick. The Sinai beds—I'm going to call it Sinai or Sini, whatever—possibly fifty miles east of the Procelli Hills in the uh, Brecon beacons. Why are the words so weird? Um, are the source of what was to become known as the Altar Stone. Ooh. So that also came from someplace else. Yeah. Uh-huh. So at this time, the northeastern entrance was extended, resulting in an exact alignment with the direction of the midsummer dawn and midwinter sunset, sunset at that time. The little standing stones appear to have been removed and the holes carefully filled, indicating that the portion, uh, this portion of the monument was abandoned before being completed. So they started it and was like, no, nah, it's not in the right spot. Yep. Yeah, they're like, can we... Can, nope, to the left. No, nope, you can't move it to the left. Eh, yeah, fuck it. Right? That's what they did. <laughs> Pretty much. It's also possible that this is the time when the... Ter- uh, had tertiary sta- uh, sandstone, or is it tertiary? I mean, tertiary. It's, it's it's tush. Tush. It's, it's tertiary. Tertiary. Tertiary, yeah. Yeah, it is tertiary. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. It's just weird that it's... Anyway... Uh, the heel stone was built outside the northeastern entrance. It is impossible to date it precisely and could have been installed at any point in phase three. It was formerly accompanied by another stone, but it's no longer discernible. Like it was there, but it's all weathered. Yeah. Only one of the two or three massive portal stones that were placed right inside the northeastern entrance remains. The fallen slaughter stone, which is 16 feet long. The four station stones, two of which stood on mounds, are among the additional elements that are roughly dated to phase three. Despite the fact that they did not or do not hold graves, the mounds are referred to as borrows. Additionally, a parallel set of ditches and banks known as Stone Hing Avenue was built, leading two miles to the River Avon. Hey, Logan. Hi. How's it going? It's great. Great. Um, Question. Yeah. Do you like wine? I love wine. Yeah. We're big wine drinkers in my house, as you very well know. Oh, of course. And I like all kinds of different sorts of wine. Same. And if our passengers tend to be the same way, guess what? What? We actually have a deal to save them some money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You can actually sign up for the... Gold Medal Wine Club wine sale right now. It uh, You can save up to 51% off award-winning and hard-to-find wines. Three-bottle minimum. You can mix and match your favorites with free shipping on 12 bottles or more. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's a good deal. Stock up on your wine. Save some money. Just head on over to the TheMidnightTrainPodcast.com. Click on Sponsor Deals. Scroll your little fingers down to the bottom. Find that beautiful wine club in there. Click on it and uh, be magically whisked away to the land of wine... I like wine. If you guys aren't even following this shit right now, these things are huge. They're very big. And there seems to be a reason for them all to be placed where they are. Yes, and it seems like there's like a little map of how they kind of moved it ever so slightly. Right, and everything kind of has its own like little like spot in like what it's supposed to be. It's almost like they they would move it to line up perfectly with the sun and the solstice. And then the planet would just shift a little bit, and they're like, "Fuck!" (laughs) So they had to move it again. (laughs) They they didn't grasp that. They they didn't get that that logic yet. That that, that the Earth was always. But how could you not if it took you that damn long to move the damn thing? I mean, you would have to understand how shadows work, right? I mean, yeah, but the shadows would. They didn't realize that the shadow wouldn't always be at that exact same spot, the exact same time, at the exact same year every single year. It would move ever so slightly. So 250 years later, they're like, "Well, fuck, this doesn't line up at all." So now we have to move this over. Two miles. So what you're saying is Merlin rode a glacier and brought him over. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So 30 massive, oh, boy. A Olegocene? Olegocene. Miocene. Sardis and stones. Okay. I'm just going to point to you when you have to say <laughs> stuff. All right. That's <laughs> it. From here on out. Shown in uh, uh, they were brought to the uh, site during uh, the next significant phase of activity. They originated from a quarry in Westwoods, Wiltshire. Around 16 miles or oh, 26 kilometers north of Stonehenge, before 30 of the stones were set up as a 108-foot uh, diameter circle of standing stones with a ring of 30 lintel stones. So those are the ones sitting on top. That's 30. 30 of those. The big ones. Yeah. They were treated and fashioned with the, again, the joints that we talked about earlier, which is just insane to me. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Another technique for dealing with wood, the tongue and groove joint was used to put the lintels together. Each standing stone weighed uh, weighed roughly 25 tons. So the standing ones are 25 tons. Those are the big boys. And measured uh, 6.9 feet or 2.3 meters broad and 13 feet high or 4.1 meters high. It's just... He's big. They're very big. And then they put these lintels on top of them and make them even bigger. Right. So the, the I don't know what the hell an orthostat is, but I'm going to just say the word because it looks cool. The orthostats broaden slightly toward the top. Oh, so that's just got to be the top of the thing. Yeah. It it's c- like the, the, goes- the formation, like the little, there's little like thingies that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're like trying to spell out like YMCA or something. <laughs> no. And they just fucked it up, and they were like, "Ah!" No, they were trying to—they were trying to do a clock. It was just supposed to be the the the, the world's biggest sundial. That just fucking blow your mind. No, 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 because that's what I actually used to think it was. I I thought it thought it was supposed to be a sundial. Yeah, but it just doesn't make sense the way it was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It but does it. but does it though? or Does it not? I mean, mm. I wasn't around back then. I don't know. I mean, they had to move it like forty times because they couldn't figure out shadows. So. Yeah. I, I mean, gotta. I just gotta call Chainsaw and ask him how long it took him to build that damn thing. Yeah. I'll right. just ask them. I'll get a hold of them. Yeah, that's fine. So anyway, they uh, they expand right, and uh, the they, so basically the view of it or whatever from the ground and the lintel stones curve slightly to continue the circular aspect of the older, the, the 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 older monument. Right, and both had obviously been created with the final visual impact. So they knew what they were building. That's the thing here too. This is not like something where they were like, "Hey, we've got these stones." Let's, let's just put these together real quick. Like, they literally knew what they were doing with this thing, the way it's it like put together. It's crazy. Right. The surfaces of the stones that face inward are smoother and finely honed than the surfaces that face outward. It's kind of crazy. Oh. The stones are, uh, ba- oh, my God, 3.6 feet thick. That's big. Uh, with, uh, but yeah but yeah, 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 but, yeah, but, yeah, big, yeah. And uh, on average, and there are uh, 3.3 feet between each stone, or roughly one meter. The Trilithon Horseshoe, the 60 stones, and the Circle, another 60 stones, would have required a total of 75 stones. Okay. It was previously believed that the ring may have been left incomplete, but a particularly dry summer in 2013 showed patches of dried grass that may indicate the, the site of sarsens or the stones that were removed. Okay, hold on. So the 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 grass because it was a little too dry showed where stones could have been 2000 plus years ago. Right, because if it was a little too dry, that means that certain part of grass if there if it didn't have if it was impacted too much, it's going to turn brown as opposed to being green. It's going to turn brown faster than being green because but, there was something on top of it at one point in time. But that 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 would happen over the course of Three. Look, man, if a glacier can bring this shit over, <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. And then we're talking about wizards and shit, man. Like, you're, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, okay. And you just keep. It, it, it makes it, sense. It, 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 it makes yeah, sense. yeah. Makes sense if you don't think about it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So each of the lintel stones, uh, uh, they're uh, about two. That's the ones on top. Remember that? Yes. About two point six feet thick, or 0. 0.8 meters, and 3. 3, uh, three feet wide, or one point two meters, and ten feet long. That's huge. Yeah, that was big. The lintels tops rise to a height of 16 feet, or 4.9 meters. I mean, this thing is ginormous. Yeah. Ah, It's big. It's a little little too big. Are they trying to compensate for something? You know what I'm saying? That'd be amazing if it was just like a bunch of phallic (laughs) shit they were putting up there. Like, dude, let's put a bunch of dicks up. Oh, (laughs) we talk about that. (laughs) Oh, oh, sweet. <laughs> so five dressed sarsen stone trilithons were positioned inside the circle, each measuring 45 feet across with the open end pointing, uh, end pointing northeast. Ten uprights and five lentils make up this enormous stonework, each weighing up to 50 tons. They were connected by intricate jointing, we talked about. They are symmetrically positioned. So in other words, they're positioned where they need to be correct the largest single trilithon in the southwest corner would have been 24 feet or 7.3 meters tall while the smallest pair of trilithons were about 20 feet tall (laughs) it's so insane only one upright from the Great Trilothron is still standing, and it measures 7.9 feet. So, yeah, the so basically the, what they're saying is there were stones on the outside, and there were stones on the inside, right? and there's only there's only one left right. on the inside. Yeah, and, because they all keep falling over. And they've actually recently tried putting up a few of the stones back up to their original positions. I think it was like in 2013 or 2019, somewhere around that, that time frame. Um, but they only put up like a couple. They didn't put up all of them because they, they were like, too fragile. Do they have like their own wizard? Is that what it is? Yeah, they use glaciers. Oh yeah, that's why, that's why it's been so cold. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. See, that Dave, makes sense. Got David Blaine coming to help him out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I've got this. Uh, David Copperfield wasn't available anyway. Moving on. So these things are ju- just—it's just baffling to me how huge this thing is. On one of the sarcens identified as Stone Forty or Fifty Three, there are uh, carvings of a dagger we talked about, uh, talks about, talked about, and fourteen axe heads. Okay. Additional accent sculptures may be observed on the exterior faces of stones 3, 4, and 5. Although the carvings are difficult to date, they morphologically resemble weapons from the late Bronze Age. Right. Bronze Age? Bronze Age. The Bronze Age. The, yeah. Bron- the Bronze Age? Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that when we won games? We're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> this interpretation is supported by laser scanning of the carvings in the early 21st century. The two trilithons in the northeast are the smallest; they stand around 20 feet, uh, meters, uh, or 20 feet. Excuse me, uh, tall or six meters. While the trilithon is the uh, in the southwest corner of the horseshoe is over 25 feet, freaking tall. So I mean, that kind of. But see, that's what makes sense, though. Like with the whole like thinking it was for trying to show something through shadows because one part was taller than the other, so it like the way the angle, the dangle, was coming through. It would show either a message or a time or something to do with some lunar uh, whatever shit. You know what I mean? Like, that that would be the only thing that would make sense. Otherwise, why would you have taller parts in a ditch? Unless your ditch was uneven, which means that you fucked up. Or maybe they were only wearing one shoe. (laughs) <laughs> One day had a lazy eye. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking, he's like, no, that's perfect. <laughs> you looking at me or the stone? I can't tell. Anyway. So the stone Hingy Archer, found in the monument's outer ditch in 1978, and the two sets of burials known as the Amesbury Archer and the Boscom Bowman, discovered three miles or five uh, five kilometers to the west, have both been radiocarbon dated to between 2600 and 2400 BC, which is a little earlier than this, and you know, when the, the phase initially was thought. Right. As many as 4,000 people may have congregated at the site for the midwinter and midsummer festival sometime between 2600 and 2400 B.C. That's a lot of people for that time period. Right. To be, that's crazy. Were there even 4,000 people on Earth? (laughs) It's like everybody on Earth's there right now. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, Which I heard a really weird stat the other day. By the way, I know we do this a lot. But um, the Grand Canyon Mm -hmm. could literally hold every single person that has ever lived all in one spot. Holy shit! Like for every, not just everyone that's alive right now, but anyone who's ever lived, could all fit into the Grand Canyon. Holy shit! That's that's wild, right? It's like thirteen. No. I don't do maths. I don't know. It's like that's, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. That's that's a lot of people. Yeah. I just thought that was crazy. That is pretty. And crazy. if you're not from here, and you, I don't know if you know or not, but the Grand Canyon is this huge, big. That was probably created by Merlin and a gl- glacier. Oh, yeah, he was surfing a glacier yeah. right across there. Yeah. So it's like they're going to use this as a stat one day to (laughs) bury people. It's fine. (laughs) So, yeah, that's it's here in the U.S. So, again, they're just saying a lot of people used to congregate to this thing, which is pretty wild to me. I'm I'm just saying. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. The evidence showed that the animals had been killed here. Okay, um, between nine and 15 months after giving birth in the spring. Sacrifices? That's yeah. maybe. Animal teeth that underwent strontium isotope analysis revealed that some had been transported for the festivities from as far away as the Scottish Highlands, so they're bringing in animals. Right. A substantial timber circle and a second avenue were built at Durrington Walls, which looked out over the River Avon at the same time. On the midwinter solstice, the timber circle was oriented in the other direction from the stone hingis solar alignments toward the rising sun. On the summer solstice, the avenue that connected the river to the timber circle was positioned to face the setting sun. Both circles may have been connected according to evidence of large fires that occurred on the uh, Avon's banks, that's the river, between the two avenues. On the longest and shortest days of the year, they may have served as a uh, procession path, because remember we talked about the one path to the river? Right. According to Parker Pearson, the Durrington Walls timber circle served as the epicenter of, quote, a land of the living. While the stone circle symbolized as a, quote, world of the dead, with the Avon acting as a route between the two. (laughs) So is it possible that maybe that wooden thing, they had something that they could actually turn the wooden thing inside of it? If that's the case, dude, that's even more intricate. Yeah, it's a lot more intricate. You know what I mean? Oh. So if you have these wooden pillars in there and you're able to create hinges like they are already, then why couldn't you have that centerpiece turn it's a lot lighter Mm mm-hmm right right right. I don't know that seems a little too interesting this is this is mind-bottling mind-bottling it is you know when you have all those ideas and thoughts in your head and it's bottled up yeah it's mind-bottling so you're okay yep (laughs) you got that drink up fuckers (laughs) so the blue stones appear to have been re-erected later in the bronze age however the precise specifics of activity during this time are still unknown shocker they may have been cut in some way and set an inside the Sarsen circle. A couple of them, like the Sarsens, contained cuts in the style of timber working, indicating that during this era, they may have been connected to lintels and were a part of a larger structure. So this thing is like... The the simple fact that this thing has so many different... Um, intricacies? Intricacies? Yeah, but so many like, different... like uh, like the, So there's the outside circle, then there's the inside circle, and then there's this part here, and this part's made of wood, and this part's made of this, and then you do the hokey-poking and you turn yourself <laughs> around, and the druids call... You know what I mean? like Right. Uh, the bluestones underwent more rearrangement during the... Uh, let's see. The the 4th of the 3rd, they call it, which is uh, two, uh, 2280 B.C. to 1930 B.C. That's what I call that, was the 4th of the 3rd, if you were reading prior to that it was the third of the third and then it was Stonehenge the third junior and then it was Stonehenge the third the second (laughs) because like these are just different time periods where they were kind of correlating like all these different things that happened as when they're like saying that it happened between this time period and this time period so this is the the Stonehenge the third of the third between 2400 and 2280 BC but how about the fourth of the third what is that that doesn't make any sense well the fourth of the third is because it's the third person and it's the fourth happening within that third person yeah it's like it's like the bank calling themselves 5th, 3rd. Exactly. No. <laughs> no, I, I don't like that. Yep. So anyway, they went under more rearrangement at this time, and uh, they were positioned in an oval at the center of the inner ring and in a circle between the two sarsen and rings. According to some archaeologists, some of these blue stones came from a second batch, a second batch that was transported from Wales. Without any of the connecting lintels. suggested in Stonehenge, the third of the third, all of the stones formed um, uh, evenly spaced uprights. Okay, so every, everything was evenly spaced. At this period, the altar stone might have been moved inside the oval and raised vertically. Stonehenge, the third of the fourth, <laughs> was not erected as well as its immediate uh, processors, okay, or predecessors. Despite the fact that the phase of the construction could seem to be the most magnificent, this was because the newly inserted bluestones were not firmly supported. After this stage, though, uh, very few modifications were actually made. So basically, after this part, it didn't really change a whole lot. Yeah. Right? And then we have Fifth Third. You son of a bitch. (laughs) So this phase, uh, this is phase three of four, or five of three, or six of nine. I don't know. (laughs) Um, The Bluestone Circle's northern portion was removed, resulting in the formation of a horseshoe-shaped setting. The Bluestone Horseshoe, it's dubbed. That match the shape of the central sarsen trilithons. The Sea hinge site in Norfolk and uh, this period are contemporaneous. Seem to be having that word in there. You do nail that that word out of the park yes, every time. Yes. So the Y and Z holes erected around 1600 BC. Um, so th- basically, we're we're trying to explain how what they believe is the progression of how this thing's changed. Correct. And been modified and whatnot. Correct. And so, this is the latest known structures at Stonehenge after the monument. Um, you know, from sixteen, this is sixteen hundred BC. They were likely abandoned during the Iron Age. Oh, the Iron Age. Dun, dun, dun. I'm sorry. Roman coins and medieval artifacts have also been discovered in or near the monument. Although neither its precise purpose nor whether it was used continuously throughout British pre, uh, prehistory, there are known. So they don't really even understand why they're there. So the enormous Iron Age hillfort, known as Vespasian's, Yeah. I got it. His camp, constructed across the avenue close to the Avon, despite its name, not a Roman structure, is noteworthy. In 1923, workers at Stonehenge discovered the head of a Saxon from the 7th century. And what is a Saxon? It's a guy from Sax. Sax 5th Avenue? No. I thought it was a guy from Sax 5th. It's a musical instrument that sounds amazing, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, Do I, you I, think it was a baritone Saxon? Or no, it was an alto. An alto Saxon. It's definitely an alto Saxon. Pretty sure that's a. It's the head of a tool, a Saxon. It's like an axe, I, I believe. I thought Saxons were people. Uh, I mean, maybe. It'd be funny if it wasn't. Saxons <laughs> were a group of Germanic peoples that used axes, right? Yes. Okay. Anyway, Saxonics. so they, they <laughs> discovered the head of somebody? Yes, the head of a Saxon. Oh, that's crazy. So it was the head of a Germanic peoples. So do you think they were, but it was just the head, brought there? Or do you think they were there and got caught being there, and they were like, oh, hell no. Mm-mm. Off with his head. Off with his head? That seems kind of racist. I don't like that. I mm. mean, so the location was well known to academics during the Middle Ages, and several organizations have since researched and embraced it. So now, let's talk about the truth. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Here, okay. Yep, yep. Now, we're, we're going to go through the truth on this. Okay. One, holy hunting grounds. Okay. Okay. Before the first stones were erected, archaeological evidence suggests that the region around Stonehenge was a hunting ground along an old Arok Arak, Arok. welcome to the Arak <laughs> migration route near the Wiltshire England megaliths. There is a site with a 3,000, or with 3,000 year old human habilitation, habitation, 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 that's totally different. <laughs> uh, evidence including thousands of auric bones, flint tools, and burning signs. There is evidence of construction at the Stonehenge site itself dating back uh, between 8,500 and 10,000 years, which we discussed. Mm-hmm when a few pine pillars were placed to erect an ancient structure. This archaeological evidence suggests that the location was once used for feasting and hunting, and it's possible that the megaliths were erected as a tribute to the plentiful meat. Looks like meat's on the menu again, boys. Again, seems a bit excessive for that, though. It seems incredibly you excessive. You know what I mean? For like, for like, 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 I mean, I, dude, I like meat, but I'm not building something. Like, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to build a, a stone structure for my meat. Well, <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> this is the way you use to hang your meat. All right. Or could it be a shitty team building exercise? Yeah. There might have been more going on with Stonehenge's construction than just ancient cookouts. Some people think that the British megaliths were built as a symbol of harmony and peace. The monument was actively constructed between, again, 3000 and 2000 BC and between 2500 BC. And then the culture of the British Isle became more cohesive as evidenced by the spread of more consistent pottery forms. I love how they t- find that up from pottery. Yeah. It's
1: like, oh, wow, look, I found
0: this pottery. Oh, my God, everyone's getting along. <laughs> so awesome. Well, their pottery matches their pottery, so therefore they, they just had to be a cohesive unit, and we're oh. making pottery together. It couldn't, have be, it couldn't have been that that's why that motherfucker's dead, because he stole his pottery? <laughs> or or he bought it off of him and then realized he got ripped off because it's the same pottery he has at home already. Right. So then he went back and fucked him up. Right. Yeah. So the enormous project would have required thousands of workers and stones from, uh, you know, whales, as we discussed. Working together on a project this size would have been a wonderful exercise.
1: <laughs> would it have?
0: Would Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bob, I'm not, I'm not coming into work today. Sorry. So now it could be a calendar based on astronomy. Yes. They liked looking at Uranus. Thank you. Many people think Stonehenge was the site of a uh, of ancient winter solstice celebrations. Uh, that's what we're talking about, where like 4,000 people would show up and dance around naked and like peanut butter on their butt. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I've never been to one. I have no idea. Uh, an adjacent archaeological find implies that pigs were killed in December and January, probably for a mid-winter feast, and that the street near Stonehenge is aligned with the winter solstice sunset. Additionally, the location faces the summer solstice dawn and thousands again. Thousands of people continue to come there every year to celebrate. We'll have to go there one year. For the solstice? Yeah. So I can be naked with peanut butter? Fuck yeah, dude, eating pigs. I mean, I'm... Oh, I like... A good pig roast? Oh, yeah, pig right. roast sounds good. Yeah, and it yeah. needs to be free with the wind, man. Yeah. Just letting it all... Just letting it all hang out, man. I'm old. <laughs> so the wind hits that red. It's going to go... and then And then... And then Ah, it is what it is. Old age. (laughs) Old age, it happens. (laughs) So, according to this one, it's possible illusion of sound at Stonehenge. Yeah, this one's pretty cool. So, according to a presentation made at the 2012 American Association for the Advancement of Sciences meeting, two pipers playing in a field near Stonehenge would have their sounds cancel out at a specific location, an auditory illusion that may have served as inspiration to the construction of Stonehenge. That's pretty wild. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The rocks might be used to selectively block sound, adding to the area's existing natural sound cancellation. In England, the monument is frequently referred to as the Piper Stones because, according to tradition, enchanted pipers guided maidens to the field, oh boy, before transforming them into the stones that are visible today. Even those who reject the sound illusion theory cannot dispute Stonehenge's incredible acoustics which included vast echoes more often heard in cathedrals or lecture halls. I did hear that, yeah. that like the sound that comes out from either outside of it or inside of it or whatever, it's like pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense as to why they would try to make it as like an auditorium kind of thing or whatever for like, you know, the festivals and stuff like that. Maybe they put on plays and shit there, or music festivals or whatever. It was like Woodstock every year, basically. <laughs> Stone stock, <laughs> stone stock. woodstone. oh that actually works better. Woodstone, yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. It could be a superior cemetery. Yes. All right. According to one scholar, the enigmatic monument may have originally served as an exclusive burial site. There have been exhumations of thousands of skeleton fragments from at least sixty-three people. We said actually fifty-three thousand or fifty thousand, right? Roughly fifty thousand bones. Bones, right? Yeah. With an equal number of males, women, and children being discovered. Yikes. The burials were made in 3000 BC, just as the monument's construction was beginning. Actually, it was a little bit after that. Remember, we talked like 200 years. Anyway, a potential incense dish and a mace head, which is a symbol of the uh, aristocracy in ancient culture, have also been found by archaeologists. Ooh. Yeah, I don't understand how that kind of shows like they were aristocrats at that time. I feel like it was just like some dude liked incense. The other one had a mace because he wanted to protect himself. I but, I mean, happens. maybe that's, like, how you knew that you were, like, if you held the mace. It's like, you ever seen a talking stick? Yeah. Where, like, the only person allowed to talk is having a stick? hmm Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It could be just massive bells, right? According to the most recent idea, the dolerites and Sarzans, those are the stones, and Stonehenge create distinctive, subtly dissimilar sounds that are comparable, uh, comparable to hollow wooden or metallic bells. Hmm. These noises might have served as a sort of ear, uh, early communication to aliens because they would have been able to travel great distances. Or they might have served a similar purpose that church bells do now. Imagine going out there and just be like, smack. <laughs> just, maybe that's what they use. They use the mace for. Well, maybe. To smack the stones. Or it was to look the British were coming. Or they're just trying to contact the aliens yeah, maybe the concept of utilizing pebbles to create music is not new numerous other cultures have used uh lithophones which are essentially enormous xylophones akin to the flintstones that produce unusual sounds and and probably uh, not the flintstones meet the flintstones because they are a modern Stone Age family and uh, they're actually from the, the town of uh, bedrock just a place right out of history just in, not those flintstones anyway moving on <laughs> <laughs> it could have been a location of healing. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey Wainwright and Timothy Darville hypothesized that the location was a place for ancient healing since a large number of the skeletons interred nearby show signs of decease, uh, decease, disease or injury. Okay. That theory is supported by the fact that several of uh, Stone Hingis Bluestones have been shipped throughout time. Maybe by long-forgotten pilgrims searching for talismans or protection or healing from the site, which kind of makes sense. Right. If they're healing stones, maybe if I take a piece of this with me, I'll be I'll be good. Right. Yeah. Of course, it's possible that Stonehenge was constructed for all, some, or none of these purposes. And it's unlikely that anyone will ever be. Yeah. We'll ne- we're da- we-, we may never know. It could be, I like this one, a giant sex symbol. Oh, yeah, baby. Told you, man. Woodstock. One of the more obscure theories regarding Stonehenge is the idea that it's an ancient sex symbol designed to represent a vagina. Oh, yes. The vagina. The vagine. Oh, yeah. The... A lot of vagina. The the, the the sanctimonious interwoven love pillow. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the Guardian previously reported on this theory from a gynecologist, Anthony Perks, some people link Stonehenge to sex and fertility. He was quoted as saying, quote, there was a concept in Neolithic times of a great goddess or earth mother. Stonehenge Stonehenge could represent the opening by which the Earth Mother gave birth to the plants and animals on which ancient people so depended. So Stonehenge is, is, is Earth's Vahim? Yeah, but it was it was it was built there though. So which means that people put it there. So that means that it wasn't going to give birth. They were trying to penetrate the Earth. <laughs> My question is, this thing's pretty large, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a cosmic wang coming in, huh? Yeah. That's Galactus coming in being like, whats or Maybe that's the asteroid that wipes us all out. That's the location where we're going to get... That's where it's going. It's going right there. Oh, shit. Can you imagine? <laughs> just a big-ass space cack. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an asteroid coming just like a big, big dick. And just coming, and it's, like, aimed right (laughs) to Stonehenge. Like, this is how we go out, folks, but it's going to be really entertaining. Yes. Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Or, of course, it could be aliens. Conspiracy theories connecting aliens to Stonehenge are quite common. We don't have concrete evidence to prove how the monument was built, so some people think aliens lent a helping hand. I mean, it is heavy for that time and where it came from and everything else. Some of the stones weigh around 50 tons, which would have been an epic struggle to move with primitive tools. Eric von Daniken and uh, his seminal, uh, sem- sem- seminal, <laughs> I'm still thinking about it, but <laughs> his seminal book *Chariots of the Gods* suggests that godlike aliens provided the know-how.
1: The know-how,
0: know-how, yeah. and listen, there is one more theory. Yes, this is the best theory. So Chainsaw has been around for a very long time. We've discussed numerous times yes. on numerous episodes. In fact, we've referenced it a num- number of times today. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe he just wanted to mess with people. Oh, uh, Maybe he just wanted to show the world that, you know, that, that big things can come from small packages. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Anyway obviously we're just kidding not really but uh you know just wanted to give chainsaw a little love out there buddy we love you and we bust your balls but you are old as fuck anyway we don't know anything about really this thing we have ideas archaeologists scientists they all have ideas but there's no concrete evidence Mm -hmm. as to what it could possibly be i however i think it's earth's vagina. And we're just waiting on the big Johnson to hit us. That's right. So keep keep an eye on the skies, folks, because uh, it might be coming to get you. And now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top-fit movies will make the cut today? Uh, today. Today, Ah, guys. Got... All right, now, since there are some pretty horrible theories and conspiracies when it comes to Stonehenge, we're going to actually talk about, in our movie section today, the 10 worst movies of all time. (laughs) Of course, according to Rotten Tomatoes, who we still don't know how they score shit. Yeah, they just throw a tomato at the wall, if it squishes, it's good. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So let's see here. Number 10 on our list is Dark Crimes from 2016. Uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah. All right. This one says he's in a league of his own as a comedic virtuoso, and he's been entirely brilliant in dramatic efforts in the like The Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind of the Spotless Mind. Love that movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. One of the brightest stars of his generation disappears into the woodwork in a thrillless crime thriller. That's a rote. Is it a word? Rote. Yeah, it's a rote. A rote is a is rote. And unimaginative as its title. I've never heard of this movie before. But apparently that's why. Yeah, all right. Jaws the Revenge is number nine from 1987. Yeah, that movie sucked. That was rough. I'm not going to go through that because it's just bad. It was was, (laughs) was a a rough one, yeah. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, Number eight, The Last Days of American Crime. Uh, 2020, so it's recent. Interminably long comic book adaptation briefly trended on Netflix and wait, wait an interminably long comic book adaptation briefly trended on Netflix and that's exactly where the accomplishments end. That's a horribly written sentence. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Taken 2 and Taken 3 director Olivier, Olivier? Olivier Megaton. Megatron. (laughs) (laughs) And his nearly three hour stab at Scarface is abrasive and even kind of pathetic. Good actors like Michael Pitt and Edgar Ramirez are uh, given nothing more to do Impose pose and shout dialogue. I've never heard of this before. Again, probably a reason. Yep. Ah, uh, let's see. Number seven, 2003, Gold Diggers. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, two broke losers enter a web of crime and scheming with rich old women who have nefarious plans of their own. Sounds like a decent enough premise for a vulgar, unassuming, lowbrow good time, right? Here's the problem. At least arguably the biggest among myriad problems... Wait, what? Here's the problem, or at least arguably the biggest among myriad, probably a, a myriad of problems. Yeah, would right? so, yeah. Whoever wrote this needs to be slapped. Sounds like I did. Anyway, um, <laughs> Gold Diggers is PG-13. It's arguably the limpest enterprise into the National Lampoon banner, which is quite a few. Oh, it's a National Lampoon. Okay, uh, I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah. No. Uh, number six, Super Babies. Baby Geniuses 2. Okay, I'm going to be real <laughs> with you on this. It was I, I thought it was a good movie. <laughs> all right, like I, I seen one and two. One was all right. Two was a lot better. Like they they kind of like had a little bit more that went into it, but the effects and CGI were like something out of Power Rangers. Yeah. Well. Okay. Number five is Pinocchio from two thousand two, a far cry from the nineteen forty Disney masterpiece, arguably the best animated movie ever. This is what they're saying, uh, Roberto Benigni's. Follow up to Oscar winning, uh, to Oscar winning. If divisive, man, the the writings suck. (laughs) Uh, Life is beautiful. Yeah, because he was in Life is Beautiful. Great movie, by the way. Um, If you haven't seen that, it's uh, from from. So he's an Italian guy that gets thrown into a concentration camp. Oh, and it's like. He tries to keep it lighthearted and stuff, because if I'm not mistaken, his family's there with him. Oh, okay. And it's it's really fucking dark. Oh, wow. But it's also, like, really lighthearted. At this, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to watch it. Watch Life is Beautiful. That movie is freaking phenomenal. It's all uh, subtitled, so if you don't like that kind of thing, well, you will. Gotcha. You're just dumb. Just read a book. Anyway, so uh, I, I think it's a great movie. But this one is Pinocchio. It, whatever. I did hear how bad this was. Yeah. Number four on the list is Gotti from 2018. It's John Travolta with his hair plugs. <laughs> acting like the one and only John Gotti himself and I hear it is horrible like horrible yeah, I haven't heard anything on it which would make sense because, yeah. yeah. that's number four on the list uh, number three A Thousand Words from 2012 Eddie Murphy yeah it was uh, Yeah, it, it It was a cool premise for a movie I didn't see all of it I kind of fell asleep and I was like whatever I didn't think it was a terrible movie it just it, it had a good concept but the acting was kind of subpar they say, a queasily family-friendly, magic realism heavy fable in the vein of um, Liar Liar, A Thousand Words is arguably Murphy's worst film ever because it, it completely disregards the edge and verve that's always made him great. So it's what, just corny? Is that what they're saying? It's What was the one he did gold something? I don't know. I mean, he also did Beverly Hills Cop 4, which was incredibly... It was three. Three, yeah, that three. one. Where yeah. he was in the fucking park or whatever. I don't care. I still like that movie. I do too, but that was just. No, it was called like Gold Thumber or Gold Member. It was like a ripoff of Gold Member or something. Not, not Gold Member. Goldfinger. Oh, Goldfinger, the Chainsaw yeah. movies. It was where he played like two different guys, and the guy was like a nerd, and he was like, oh, the entire time. you never seen that? Mm. And it's got uh Steve Martin in it. Steve Martin's like a director. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I thought it was called like Gold... No,
0: that's... Gold Thumb Uh, or Gold Booger or... Hold on. That was... uh, Gold gold, gold Pooper. Gold Pooper. Poopy Gold. Poopy Goldberg. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Bowfinger. Bowfinger. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was close. Like He did fucking Norbit, dude. Oh, yeah. Another horrible movie. Just come on, man. So number two is One Missed Call from 2008. According to the Tomato Meter, this is the worst horror movie of all time. And yeah, it sucks. The runaway success of Gore Verbinski's The Ring led to a glut of uninspired J-horror remakes in the aughts. It's like they're trying to be smart, but they're not using the words correctly. Yeah. This is arguably the worst. Unlike other movies on this list and countless bad horror movies, it isn't even fun bad, though. It's just monotonous. You could put this in your bedroom TV to help you sleep. Oof, that's rough. All right, so one missed call from 2008. And number one, oh boy, never heard of this. Ballistic. X versus C- Sever? I've never heard of it. I don't know what this is at all. If, well, if there weren't so many ads on this stupid site, it might be able to see what's what going on here. It's got Lucy Liu in it. I and know. Antonio Maderas. Yeah, really two big actors, and that just apparently... Oh, I love me some Lucy Liu. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. she's clean, buddy. Yeah. So according to critics via Rotten Tomatoes, this embarrassingly incompetent cyber espionage, Dumpster Fire, <laughs> is the single worst movie ever made. What? It cannot be bad. There's so many bad movies out there. There are. I kind of feel like I have to watch this just to see what happens. Yeah. It says world-class performers Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu are trapped in a box office disaster that's technically an action movie, but plays out like it's intentionally designed to lull us to sleep. So ballistic X versus Sever. Yeah, basically. I mean, I looked at it a little bit. There's not a whole lot of like, like action in it. It's like uh, <laughs> stupid. It's just slow and a lot of dialogue. And it's just slow. Like, even the music is, like, not matching the scenes. Like, it's just, it's weird. It's a, it is, it's like a lull. It's just very drab the mm. whole time. Well, it looks dumb. Anyway. Yeah. So, that is the show for today. We just talked about the one and only Stonehenge, and there was a lot of info there. Listen, it's huge. It's, it's, it's huge. huge. It's huge. Listen, it's huge. <laughs> Listen, it's very huge. Okay? I actually built this thing myself. It's the best it's ever been. It's, it's, the, be- it's, it's the best Stonehenge <laughs> you've ever seen, okay? Joe Biden couldn't build a Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to work on my Trump, but I'll, I'll figure it out. So anyway, we hope you enjoyed it. Do us a favor. Go over to the com, And on our website, you can not only listen to the episodes, you can rate us, you can do all kinds of stuff, find out where else we are, see what's coming up in the future, new website's going to be dropping soon, and you can also buy yourself some super sweet super sweet merchandise where you can find all kinds of stuff from the Don't Be a Salvo shirt to the uh Maurice the Ripper shirt, the best shirt parna. So, I mean, it, it and so many phone cases and any and everything else and it helps the show out greatly. So get over there, get yourself some merchandise and support what we do. If you like what you heard from us, consider being a producer of the show. Become a first-class passenger uh, by heading over to TheMidnightTrainPodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or go to Patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. because we are adult content. You have to have that exact URL. Yes. Or click on the link on our whatever. Yes, yes. So for, you know, five bucks a month, you know, which... It's not a lot of money. Listen, I get it. It is a lot of money for some for not, not even for some people. I understand that it can be a lot of money. Yes. Five bucks. I get it. hundred percent. And do not feel obligated to ever do that. If you can't, if you can't or you won't, not a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're Anyone listening right now, just keep listening to the regular live feed and tell your friends, tell people about it. That's, I, I don't care. But if you do sign up, you do get a lot of really cool bonuses and a lot of cool things that we attempt to do, <laughs> like the Halloween special that... We're just going to act like that didn't happen. What are you talking about? I mean, next year's Halloween episode? Exactly. to go perfectly? Right. We're working on that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, get over there. Sign up. Be awesome like the people that are awesome. And, you know, just be awesome and support the damn show. You want to say awesome one more time? Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Also, we love music and uh, want future generations of musicians to have accessibility and music education. So we've decided to give it to a great cause, the Save the Music Foundation their mission is to help students, schools, and communities reach their full potential through the power of making music. As one of the leading music foundations in the United States, they support their partner uh, communities in three ways by donating musical instruments and musical technology, providing support services for teachers, and advocating for music education. We are going to, and have been, and will be continuing to donate 20% of our merchandise sales and our Patreon donations from both, uh, from both. I was about to say from both shows. I have that still written here. <laughs> we don't talk about that other one. I mean, we do. It's going to, we're going to come back with that someday from icons and outlaws. Anyway, if you guys like music, go listen to that show. It's cool. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't know. Anyway. So we're going to give 20% of uh, everything that is given and, or donated to us. Or, you know, when you guys purchase stuff or whatever it is, we give 20% to this great cause. So support the show, get a ton of bonuses, really crazy shit and uh, help a great cause. And for more information or to just donate personally, Go to save the music.org.org.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. Uh, so it's Midnight Train Pod. Uh, no, it's not. It's The Midnight underscore pod on Twitter. On Instagram, it's the Midnight Train Podcast. On TikTok, it's the Midnight Train Podcast, I believe. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, yeah. Uh, YouTube, Midnight Train Podcast, and uh, you can listen to us also on Spotify. So if you get over there, rate us. If you're on Apple, rate us. Wherever you can rate us and review, please do, because Satan's going to start reading freaking reviews. Yeah. And it's going to be fantastic. All right? So, listen, we can't thank you guys enough, honestly. And uh, we know like we've got some things happening right now. We might be going to weekly. Yeah. At least for the holidays. Uh, got a lot of ish happening. A lot of, ish. a lot of cool stuff, but also personal stuff. And it's the holidays. You know what yeah. I mean? takes a lot of work to do these damn things. so yes, yes, um, yes, it does. And we love it. And we're not giving up in any way, shape, or form, but no. we might be going to every other week for the regular episode. Um, the bonuses are still going to be once a week. Correct. So, yeah, again, just another great reason for you to get on over there and sign up for our Patreon program. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> a huge thank you to our executive producer, first class passengers. It's loud, I'm turning it down. <laughs> Aha! See that? I caught that one. To George DeJesus, Megan McTerry, Tomaslav Saboda, Amanda Denz, Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Stacey Laconan, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKenney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunzelman, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner. Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janice Sherelle, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalchik, Rob Webb from the Fun Box, who is starting the fun box back up from what I hear. Noise. Yeah, I guess he took a little hiatus, but he's coming back. Uh Christina Skelton Skelton and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skeleton podcast. Make sure you check them out. Tell them we said hi. To Maria Gibbs to Chainsaw. What the fuck? To Jigsaw, Rick Ressler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Barabinick, and, of course, our boy, Bill Birch. Oh, good for you. That was really rough. Wow. That kind of hurt my throat a little bit. To the bit. guy that had laryngitis for the past <laughs> three days, basically. He keeps coughing and can't even... That's why we actually are late on this episode, so... Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's my him. fault. Blame it Tell me. him to suck it up, right? I suck it up. I'm here for you guys. I was like chewing on like eight different like golf drops the whole time. The whole time. time, yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Like every now and then you'd hear it smack across the mic. It was kind of gross. <laughs> 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 so do us a favor. Spread the word, all right? And if you want your name to be mentioned on the show and for us to be forever grateful, as well as on our website, um, we'll add your name on there too uh, because you're amazing. Uh, become a uh, you know, first-class passenger and uh, support the show and whatnot. Anyway, so listen. Stay safe out there, passengers, and uh, remember, Satan is going to be reading a, uh, the reviews at the end of the show, but we're going to sign off and let him do his thing, because, you know, we feel like, you know, it's the best for last kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Right? You for know sure. what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, stay safe out there, stick around for Satan, and as always,
1: choo-choo, motherfucker! I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. What's up y'all, it's your boy Satan, and tell you what, we got a great review, we're starting this off the right way, okay, so this one just starts off, and it just says holy poop, thanks to a fellow listener, mutual friend Justin K, I started listening to this podcast back in April, due to the length of the episodes, not a bad thing, the extra details is great. And trying to keep up with my my other podcast, it was taking me what seemed like forever to finish all the episodes. So, about two-ish months ago, when I was still only in the beginning episodes of year 2020, it's a long-ass time. I said F it and decided to forego all of my other podcasts to binge this. I could finally say I have listened to all episodes. That's amazing. And she said, y'all have an amazing show here your detailed and thorough research shows that you do care so much about what you're talking about and that is truly appreciated the banter and comedy keep the not so light topics light the deep dives into the history of each topic is top notch every episode i learn another fun fact sometimes even more than one Thank you for being so passionate about this podcast and thank you for making me laugh so much every day while I work. Also, a huge thank you for getting me completely wasted, not just once, but a couple of times while cooking dinner. Keep up the amazing work. I'm looking forward to many more episodes. Stephanie, P.S. Boobs. Stephanie, that's amazing. The boys are going to love that. And listen... Just so you know, you now have a special place in hell right next to me. All right. Stay up, Stephanie. Choo-choo, you dirty motherfuckers.